Is you know, I've never done an intro. Oh, are you? Would you <laughs> is this okay? I took medicine today. <laughs> um, okay, go ahead, Jim. <laughs> it was waving a dildo laser at me. Hey there, welcome Motorcycles and Misfits here at the Recycle Garage in sunny Santa Cruz, California. USA! How's that? Old school. Who do we have in the house tonight, Liza? Me! It's me! (laughs) Liza! (laughs) It's Liza! Ciao, Bella! Hey! Hey! And uh, who do we have on the Classy Girl couch tonight? It's Emma! I'm here in a person! And, si- and sitting next to me is uh, the Pope. And I guarantee you, he's going to say uh, nothing throughout uh, this show. Nothing. 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 But he's uh, here. He's going to bless here. He's gonna bless you with an Italian Spider-Man. <laughs> oh, my God. You're going to. <laughs> That's Amore. That is Amore. <laughs> and that would be Naked Jim. <laughs> hey. <laughs> Wow. Happy to be here. Wow, this has gone sideways within 30 seconds. This is that these Cra- are the best shows. Crazy from the rain. Yeah. Hey, exactly. So, um, hey everyone. Uh yeah, coming to you from sunny Santa Cruz, California. Where, yeah, thank you for all the people who have reached out and asked how we are doing. I know that the news around the country and the world is saying that oh, we're, we're in storm again. Um Which is true. Which is true, but it's also um, we're we're all fine. We're dealing with. Well, we, we're we're fortunate that we live in a spot that hasn't been flooded, or the mudslide hasn't happened, or you know all the other stuff. I mean, there's three of us in the studio tonight instead of ten, <laughs> so that's a barometer for. Uh, we're not sure where Stumpy John is. <laughs> Haven't yeah. heard from him. Yeah, He's yeah. been washed away. <laughs> washed away. Well, he is one of them hill people, and uh, <laughs> life's harder in the hills. Um, but no, we're okay. I mean, there's potential floods, and Emma might not get home. Well, I'm 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 driving King Kong today, so I may yeah. get home because it, 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 Monterey might become an island. Yes. Well, yeah, there's so there's talk. Marina uh, may become an actual marina. Yes, it it, <laughs> it, it actually may. So um, I live in very very high ground. So I'm actually hoping that my my house will become waterfront property. Which will add to the value. Yeah. No, we're dealing with a lot of road closures, trees down, power outages, sinkholes, uh, collapses. Yeah. But it's also kind of par for the course. It's kind mm-hmm. of like living in Tornado Alley in a mobile home. Like, it happens every yeah. now and then. You well, know? it seems like winters used to be more like that, right? Like, it's, we've had yeah. these years, these droughts for the last, gosh, 15 years, almost 20 years going off and on. But it seems like prior to that, it was kind of normal winters, you know? It was wet, rained a bunch. Right. I mean, the ocean swell was a little different this time. And, you know... Um, it was whomping. I, w- I was watching a film the other day on AMC, and it was, yeah, I think, set in 1967, or it was made in 1967, and it starred Tony Curtis, and a lot mm. of the action was filmed in Malibu. And at one stage, in a very heavy rainfall, the house fell off the, <laughs> the side of a mountain in Malibu. So, I mean, this has been going on for years in California. I mean, The price know, we pay. It they, is the price we pay for living in Paradise. Yeah, I just like all of one um, below Caramel is closed, like all the way down to San Simeon. Yeah, yeah, Carpenter. Uh, you know what? Um, so yeah, thank you for anyone who's concerned. We're okay. In fact, 
even on another rainy Sunday, we had a bunch of people at the garage today. People show up, uh, many people showed up, including Jim, on bikes because they're like, dang it, I needed to go for a ride. Well, no, hang on, but that wasn't the hot news. No, we'll get to that. But what I just wanted better? to, I just wanted yeah, no, to like acknowledge, like Henry, he's got like an hour, hour and a half ride. He came down, stayed for about thirty minutes. <laughs> I gave know? him, I gave him a new nickname. <laughs> I'm not even in the club, but I gave him a new nickname, Hardcore Henry. Yeah, because he's right. I mean, you know, seventeen. It's when the weather gets like this. It's mud is what you worry about. But you yeah. know, if you've been following it, mud. There's been slides. There's been rocks come up. You just come down the hill, rocks right. or trees. So, yeah, Hardcore yeah. Henry. Yeah, uh, so, yeah, we still had a bunch of people show up at the garage, and we had a fun day. Yes. We watching um, YouTube videos and hanging out, and Doug worked on a bike, and I worked on a bike. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not oh, going to we're, gonna no, go we're not. No, 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 no. I'll go there. I'll go there. You really? Sure. So, first of all, I want to say, yes, I've been ordering more things from China. Um, and I said, I think we may be venturing into North Korean territory <laughs> at this point. Well, I said the other week that I ordered, bought a couple bikes. Um, so one of them, uh, well, actually one is here in the room, actually a few. So first I want to say, Emma, remember when we had that conversation about the Lego motorcycles? So Jim, yes. next to you is the Technic Lego Technic Ducati kit. Yes. That is a, an official Lego uh, Technic kit. And that cost, I think, about $60, $70. Now, if you look behind you on the shelf above your arm, see the red Ducati? That is assembled. Wow. That is the Chinese knockoff that is $25. Does it come assembled or do you no, put it together? No, I had to assemble that entire thing. That was many evenings of assembly. Did you grab Enzo and bring him in? No, nope, it was me. Okay. And that one, interestingly enough, if you pull the booklet out that's behind it, Jim, so you see that the official Lego, these sets are called Technic. And what is this one called, Jim? This is the Technici. Or Technice. Or Technice. <laughs> right. It's the uh, almost as good. Um, so, yeah. Um, I, this I'm is, giving it's my... It's just shameless. It's absolutely... Okay. It's... How were the instructions? Was it... Yeah, it's you, fine. So it all... Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they just they just copied it. They just pirated it. Well, no. If you look at the official Lego, it's a bigger booklet that's glossier pages and actual sizes of stuff to compare. I mean, but I wasn't privy to the better instructions. I used these, and I assembled that entire bike, and I had fun doing it. So my official review is, if you're looking for some of uh, these Lego kits, they've got the Ducati, the BMW, and, and the, uh, the Vespa. I recommend getting the AliExpress ones. The only thing is it did not come with a box. Box not included. You get a, a brown box with the, all the bags of parts in the booklet. So there you go. So I'm, and I'm also looking, there's a Ducati logo on the, oh, that's the Chinesium one. So they just, they, they took the Ducati logo and everything. No, that box is the official Lego. Oh, that's box. the official one. So did yours that came, did I wonder if it had an official Ducati? It didn't Ducati. have a box. Yeah. But it and, has Ducati on the uh, bike. And the assembly instructions, um, it's just a low resolution scan of yeah. the Lego box. Yeah. So that's my official review. And then look at Emma, look at the other model I bought on top of that box. You have the red one? Check that yes. out. Yes. Oh, jeez. Things are falling. So I oh, that is that. absolutely. Tell everyone what that is. It is um, looks like a pre-war Modaguzzi Arione. It's a, quite a small scale model. I think it's a one twelfth. 
No, it's smaller than one twelfth. Uh, one sixteenth, maybe, maybe, maybe even one twentieth. It's, it's an absolutely, it's a gorgeous little thing, um, and appears very, very. Was this expensive? Mm, no, uh, not more than ten bucks. But wow, no, it's a, it's a <clears throat> lovely little thing. These are what was called the bacon slicer. Um, uh, Motoguzi, yeah. because it had an exposed flywheel on the engine, you see, and mm. it was shaped like one of those um, meat slicers you get in oh, the yeah. deli. Um, yeah, I thought you'd appreciate that. Oh, no, it's absolutely and it's then delight. There's a couple more on the seat next to you that I got as an ode to a bagel. The tuk-tuks. Tuk-tuks, like that are made from like Bajajas or Vespas, little tuk-tuks. They're a little bit smaller models than I thought, but those are like two, three bucks. Anyway... Bought a bunch more models to go on the wall here. And then, do you see the special thing I got for Bagel, Jim? Check that out. Yes. Which one? On top of the black box. Look what I got. Yeah. Bagel doesn't know it because he's not here yet. He's coming in. It's very well-packaged fashion jewelry. keychain that uses basically the front shield of a Vespa. Oh, so it is. Isn't Isn't that that brilliant? Oh, that's great. I got that to give him up when we go see That's very kind of you, Liza. Yeah, well, me and that looks very high quality. It's not plastic; that's metal. It is. It's got. It's actually got some weight to it. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. fashion jewelry, because Bagel does need fashion jewelry in his life. <laughs> I was thinking of lending him one of my skirts for the scooter. Yes. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. and I think he has plenty. He's got a lot of those. Um, but the other big news, the other Chinese, uh, it's the Chinese Mexican Dax clone. <laughs> <laughs> It's the El Amigo. So I ordered the Amigo 125, which is the Chinese version of yes. the Mexican ode to the DAX, which hasn't been released here yet, yes. which is a upgraded version of the CT70, the yes. Trail 70. So it is a 125cc yes. knockoff right. of a Trail 70. Yes. But... This one comes with an electric start. Yes. This one has a center stand and a little luggage rack and a horn. It is it is quite well equipped. Did you have to pick it up or is it delivered no, to the delivered. house? That's brilliant. Yeah. And um it was uh, 19 little under $1900 shipped to my door all in. No, you know, in a crate. How long um, did it take you to put together? Well, I spent a couple hours uh, every day this weekend um, just while it was raining out there. <clears throat> the actual assembly is pretty easy. I mean, the wheels are on. It's just put the handlebars on and the mirrors on and the shift lever. But um, when I took the, lifted up the seat, and the, it comes with a battery, which was fully charged, but not installed. So I had to pull the battery out <clears throat> and then put it back in, hook it up. But I realized when I tried to close the seat that all the electrical components were on, that sit on top of the battery. And you saw, Emma, there's a mounting bracket and right. the holders for all the rubber pieces to slide yes. on. But you can't close the seat. There's not enough room for these items that are mounted on top of the battery for the seat to close. I'm like, that's weird. So I had to pull everything out and reroute stuff and shove things underneath the battery box. And I had to do it about five, six times until I finally got everything routed. Yeah, but I mean, you've got it sorted and out. And it, look, it, and it looks pretty clean. sanitary under there. So that was the, the most amount of time was rerouting the electrical. 
But um, we pulled it out today and started up, and everyone kind of took some turns riding it around. It will wheelie. It's a fun little bike. Well, now, it's been test-ridden by many, many people. I took it for a lap around the parking lot and declared it a death trap, and I don't want anything (laughs) more to do with it. You took it down the street. I did. You brave soul. Apparently, it's street legal. Although not, it, not, not much about it was. No. It, it, it will be street legal. But it, I thought it was fun. This is a California uh, version that has all the... the air yeah, it looks like stuff. a CT70 with an army green paint job. Yeah, yeah. But it'll wheelie in second. No problem. And... Um, oh, d- oh, your amiga. Hey, bagels. Yes. Bagels here. Hey, bagels. Oh, it's the bagler. Hey. Hello. Yes. So I got the uh, Amigo. I'm just telling everyone. And yeah, assembled it and kind of played around and. Was it a four speed or a five four four five? I don't know. You're the first one that took it out on the street. (laughs) I did, but by the time I got it, I shifted up. I think it's I think it's one down and four up. I want to say or three up. I think I don't even Um, know, but it gets up and goes. It was fun. I got it up to. It made some odd noises. Was I got it up to forty and then, but I was on my street, which is like. 15 miles per hour over the speed limit. So mm, 40 is plenty on that thing. Uh, but I saw somebody else on YouTube got theirs up to 49 on the GPS. Um, but it's just a fun toy. But what I liked about it was um, it, that's the all in price. And if you look at an equivalent, like when the DAX comes or even just a Grom or a monkey, or even let's use for example, um, the, the Navi. So Emma, Navi has been listed as an $1,800 bike. And everyone's like, that's awesome. Right. How much do you think a typical sh- uh, shop dealer adds in additional fees on top of that price? Well, let me think. So you've got um, delivery fees, which can add um, a couple of hundred bucks. You've got dealer setup fees, which typically can run an hour to two hours of labor, um, which can add about 300 bucks. <laughs> then you've got... Um, registration fees which can add blah 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 and then tax on top of that so the eighteen hundred dollar bike can become like a twenty seven thirty six hundred thirty six hundred dollar bike um yeah they're charging on navi's like six hundred dollar freight charges um did you pay california do you pay full taxes on this thing because that taxes are a big number. I think that was all included. Well, yeah. I mean, taxes, um, depending on where you are, about 9%. Mm-hmm. So it's a chunk. Yeah. But, but that's the thing. They're charging, dealers are charging the same like freight for a Navi as they are an Africa Twin. Right. Right? And so a lot of people are like kind of disheartened by it. They go, wait a minute. So I like that this was an all-in. One price sent to my house shipping included and after i ordered it i got a notification in about three days from the freight company uh scheduling the delivery well it didn't come far no yeah it shipped in california so anyway so my review is so far what a fun little yeah cheap little bike yeah it's one of those things you need two of right but in our review not for somebody who doesn't have any experience wrenching right because it needs fettling out yes. of tinkering the, tinkering like having to be relocate all the electrical components there was a bunch of things <laughs> loose the front axle i found had a th- about a three-eighths of an inch gap between the head of the bolt and the actual fork i'm like huh Ooh. what's that about H- had to tighten it up quite a few turns um <laughs> so and even something as simple as underneath the headlight mount in front of the handlebars i had to 
pull some out just to take the film off the chrome. And I noticed these grommets that were in there were the jankiest looking rubber grommets I've ever seen. They look like somebody microwaved a rubber grommet. Oh, right? cool. And you go, it oh. Looked, they'll probably disintegrate in a month. Yeah, but you realize like a Honda Trail 70 has a seven cent grommet and this has a one cent grommet. A and point, you go, oh. A point seven cent grommet. Originally yes, designed exactly. for a washing machine, but didn't quite meet so the spec. So the fact that the many of the Trail 70s from the 70s survive to this day right. is because they put a seven cent grommet in, not the one cent. Will this thing survive... 10 years who knows well, well for what you got it for which is having fun i mean tell me yeah. you, you you should be the grand marshal leader of the pride parade next year with that thing or this year <laughs> i should say right it's perfect for that kind of stuff or mucking about in hollister you know or just playing games around here i think you know hey, it's fun the i must admit i looked out looked it over and i'm i wasn't pleasantly surprised by the quality the only thing i'm desperately troubled with is the air filter box <laughs> which is <laughs> the Jankiest piece of plastic chrome I have ever seen in my life. I suggest it's replacing it with a flashlight. Yeah, um, it needs something. I think you'd probably hollow out a dildo and put it on yeah. there. It'd be a little more. Authentic. And it had the not the Makuni, but the what was it? The Makaka, <laughs> the, the Makaka carburetor, the, the, the Miniki carburetor. Is it a Miniki? Uh, it's a Miniki. Um, <laughs> but um, it's, but you were, it's you were, actually it's not bad. You were playing with a carb. You were working some magic. Well, I was trying to. Um, um, I I really need to do some dicking around with the air screw, and when when Liza's broken it in, I'll do. They 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 basically they preset the air screw and then put some black glue over it to stop you messing about yeah. with it, which is California thing. So we're going to leave that in situ until at least you get it registered, and then I'm going to dig out the black glue. Well, and actually get a decent idle on it, because at the moment the idle's crap. Then we can wheelie in third gear. Yes. So ever since our Trail 70s were stolen, I've been wanting to get another one, but the price shot up. <clears throat> and then they announced the DAX, which is the next thing in line in the Honda 125. And I said, when it comes out, I'm getting one. But Emma, that DAX, I think, just based upon like the monkeys and the cubs, it's going to probably be about 3500 Oh, yeah, easy. Maybe 3800 And then when you add those extra fees... We're looking at an easily $5,000 bike mm -hmm. compared to this $1,800. I think this is a deal. So um, I'm just going to give a plug. If you go to motobuys.com, watch out. Here's, here's why I'm saying watch out. There's so many more things I want to get. Bagel, you were taking a look. <laughs> Was there anything in there that enticed you? Uh, honestly, not not enough to buy it. <clears throat> You know um, you want to stretch Ruckus clone. Not really. <laughs> <laughs> but there there is the um uh, there there's this this very vintage looking scooter that they have which is one of one that that has been cloned <laughs> by many many Chinese manufacturers. Yeah. Uh originally it was the Aprilia um classic or something like that. It's it's a 150cc that has a very swoopy back to it. Oh. Um and and that's one of the one of the 150 cc bikes that they have for sale. Um, the quality, I'm quite sure, is going to be atrocious. So I just I, I wouldn't even want to take on a headache like now, that. Remind me, Bagel, what was that scooter? The what was it called? The Yesterday, and it was by a manufacturer who should have known better. And it was definitely uh, down to the Malaguti. Yes, but God, yes. It, it was not good quality. <laughs> 
Pietro. Yeah, it was a very, very cute little scooter. But, it was. I mean, yeah, it was they, cute, but dear God. Okay, I, yeah. now I'm down the rabbit hole. All right. <laughs> so for the same amount of money, I can get a RPS Hawk 250cc ah, yeah. dual sport carbureted enduro motorcycle. So for sixteen hundred bucks, you can get a motorcycle. You can choose colors, um, how it assembly options, and just a icing like the on top. You can get a free hoverboard with it. <laughs> that is brilliant. Um, yeah, I'm. Yeah, these have. Yeah, and here's got to be a, one of the most least sustainable purchases you Carolina can Carolina Riker. It's a ruckus trike. Oh, that's fresh. Imagine <laughs> rolling up into Sturgis on that. Oh, man. Player. I know, but that's the wide track, not the narrow track. Anyway, motobuys.com. They got stupid stuff on there. <laughs> There's you. nothing over $2,000. No. Waste your money. <laughs> if you want to waste money. But there's another thing that came in, and this one I spent real money on. Oh, yeah. No, this is a thing. Take a look at that. Did you see this yet, Jim? I, I admit I did peek under the box. Yeah, yes. Yeah, okay. Very, very It's a It's a handsome. black box. Very handsome. And in gold. In gold. Oh, wait. Before you open that, do we want to see what's in Jim's bag? Yeah, I do. I want to see. Oh. I always want to see what's in Jim's kind bag. Kind of the, oh, okay. All right. Jim, Jim brought some for show and tell also. Well, it's not show and tell, but- uh, it was over the holidays, so I got uh, gifts for you two over the holidays because you both what? you both enrich my life so much. And Liza's always giving me stuff, and Emma, you're always giving me grief, but I I, I love it. So I just wanted to – I got a little <laughs> – And I, just to make it extra special, it comes as we love to support our local oh. artists and, oh. and, and creators yes. and makers. I I commissioned a little something <gasps> for both of you. What? what? Yes. So this comes from – you know her, our smallest national treasure, the one, the only, Abraham Lincoln. Oh, <laughs> oh my yeah. God! Who is also a, not who is also a tattoo artist and and a regular artist. Oh. So I asked her to commission a couple of extra special paintings. Oh. So Eliza, you get yours first. <gasps> I get my own. Yes. So I know. Well, who is who is one of Liza's biggest, if not biggest, hero? Oh, uh, uh, evil Knievel. Of evil course. Evil Knievel. Yes. So. <laughs> oh. In, and now we're going to do a second pause and a moment of silence for Robbie Knievel. Yes. Yep. Very sad. Yeah. So on that note. <laughs> so much for that moment so of silence. It, uh, <laughs> so I had to do a couple of portraits and yeah. this is yours. And I'll describe it oh, as I show wait, it. Wait, 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 wait. Or Emma, why don't you describe what you see? <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> this is maybe the greatest thing I've ever seen. This is evil Knievel in, I would say one of his more pensive moods. Um, it's a head and shoulders shot. He's blue. So um, he's Smurf blue. So this actually is from a famous Sports Illustrated cover yes. done on him. It was possibly the most cringy picture of evil I've seen in my life. And I asked her, I said, hey, Liza uh, loves okay, evil. Now, so. but it is, Emma, sh it, it show is, it to, to Jim. I have a question. It is beautifully done. Does it intentionally have a blue penis on his shoulder? Oh, I hope so. <laughs> It does that, now. Do you see that? I do. It does now. <laughs> that is wow. inquiring minds want to know. That is fantastic. Oh wait, here. Let's see if I can get it this way. Um, let's see. There you go, bagel. Uh -huh. You can see yep. up, up, and 
Oh, up, up in it. So yes, I, I asked her to make it wow. extra cringy because you know evil. This is like oh my gosh, <laughs> and I I think she nailed wow. it. And this is uh, another one I love. And I guess I'll ask uh, Liza to describe this one, uh, but it just encapsulates everything I love about Emma. Well, not everything, but a lot of it. So this is something I thought you would love just to look at because you love art i see the stuff you buy when we go to shows oh you know you know it's going up on the wall at moto i see what's in your house and um and i thought you could maybe use this for moto town oh, oh my god so this what we're describing is uh is that a bsa no it's an orton commander norton and she researched the bike i knew you'd appreciate and it has that. a woman in a monkey suit <laughs> like a skin like a looks like if i would have to say it's probably a rubber monkey suit and it's says cheeky monkey. Yeah, cheeky monkey. And it's all, yeah. In <laughs> and pink. of course, she's wearing heels. And she, she's in, yeah, she's in pink. And it's a lovely pink and black. Uh, anyway, so. Oh, very nice. Very <laughs> wow. Moto Thank holidays you. belated. I love that you're supporting local <laughs> artists. Yeah, yeah. Well, we I'm, like people we like. I'm absolutely thrilled by this. Thank yes. you, Jim. What oh, a cheers. Gift. Cheers. Well, and oh, hand me the thing for Bagel. So Bagel didn't hear. I got a thing for him. Oh, yeah. It's right there underneath the red bike. Keep going. There you go. Bagel. So uh, in my buying spree of things from China, mm-hmm. I got you a thing. It is a, oh, hold on. It is a Vespa keychain. Uh-huh. And it is basically the front shield from a Vespa. Oh, cool. Yeah. Awesome. So I got oh, that for you. you. Um, and it's, cool. it's heavy. It's, it's, yeah, it's nice. Yeah. Excellent. All right. thank so you. thank you. All the gifts going around. I know it's fun. Yeah. What'd you get us, Emma? I got you myself, <laughs> which is the greatest gift of all. The gift that keeps on giving. Uh, no, I think I'm going to save, save gifting until we go to Vegas. Ooh, Vegas, baby. Oh. It's coming yeah, up. Yeah. Vegas, baby. Yeah. I'm ready. Um, so Emma, the black box. So what I ordered and uh, <clears throat> I, I'm going to say thank you and fuck you to the listener that sent me the link for a limited edition toy motorcycle model. Well, these aren't toys, Liza. <laughs> uh, this is the No Time to Die Bond Triumph Scrambler. Now, this is absolutely, uh, this is a beautiful model. Um, it's die cast, so I'm guessing the the fuel tank and maybe some other components, perhaps the oil tank and the side panels are made out of metal. I mean, this thing's got some heft to it. So it is a Triumph Scrambler, scrambled eggs. It's a it's a Corgi model, which is... Yeah, know, which is... Stuff. I mean, Corgi have been doing their thing forever. And there's something of an iconic um, British brand. But this is just an absolutely gorgeous model. I mean, the paint job is absolutely superb on it. Um and it comes in a collector box, and it's got a whole story on the lid, and it's, uh, yeah, it's a very nice black Triumph Scrambler from the from the Bond film. And it comes with Olin suspension, because <laughs> yes. the sticker makes it real. Yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so I'm a sucker for limited edition. <laughs> and we'll add it to the, I don't know, thousand or so models that are in here already. We'll find a room. I tell you, you filled in the trains real quick. Ah, I, I know. I got a couple empty shelves up there. Well, we're going to Vegas. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, um, so I got I ordered this kit and it got me thinking about the motorcycles from Bond films. Cool, blimey. 
Yeah. And I thought, you know what? Let's 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 talk about the Bond films and the 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 motorcycles and the scooters and the there's some other variation what well, things. I think you want to cue up the music. I do. I Ooh. do. Well, I'm so, afraid you've caught me with more than my hands up, Emma. <laughs> so <laughs> diamonds are forever. I said in lieu of having this bike, hey guys, let's talk about Bond bikes. Oh yeah. <laughs> Yeah, there's so many cool bikes and bike scenes, some very memorable, some very forgetful. And trikes. And, yeah, we're going to get into them all. (laughs) So, um, well, no, before we get into the bikes, I want to talk about a little bit about James Bond and who he is. I mean, if you've been living under a rock for the past 70 years, you you won't have a clue James Bond is. But there's a kind of an interesting backstory. So Bond was basically the invention of a gentleman called Ian Fleming. And Ian Fleming had, God, he had a very interesting life. He was heavily involved in espionage during the Second World War. And he kind of led a Bond lifestyle. And he... um, you know, did a lot of secret agent stuff and a lot of sleeping with beautiful girls and doing the things that James Bond, James Bond does. Sounds kind of like Bagel's life. And yeah, very similar to Bagel. Um, <laughs> and he kind of he put down almost like an autobiographical account, which w- formed into the first Bond book, which was Casino Royale, and then. That was in the very, very early 50s. And then he was a very, very prolific writer. And during the the 60s and the 70s, he'd write a book and it'd be made a film because there was this delicious combination of um, Ian Fleming and Cubby Broccoli and uh, Harry Saltzman. Albert. um, Who just formed this fantastic Mm. team of writing and filmmaking. Um, But there's a couple of things. He never saw um, Sean Connery as James Bond. He always hated Sean Connery as a James Bond. He thought he looked like a bricklayer. Was he too rough? Yeah. he. I mean, his ideal James Bond was David Niven, who's very sophisticated and very much the English gentleman. Um, and David Niven did play Bond in just one film, Casino Royale, but that was a spoof. Interestingly enough, Casino Casino Royale was made three times. It was originally made in 1955 with sort of an Americanized James Bond. And that was right after the novel was written. And it wasn't a particularly successful film. The second Casino Royale was done in 1967, which was very much a spoof film. The best way you could describe the 1967 Casino Royale and I invite everyone who's listening to actually watch it. It's a mess, but it's yes. an incredible period piece. Doesn't and it have Peter Sellers too? It's got Peter Sellers in it. It's got Ursula Andress in it, or Ursula Andress as she was known back then. It's got um, Woody Allen in it. And you know, say what you will about Woody Allen's personal life, he's always a treat to watch in movies. Um, and I'm pretty sure the Jacqueline Villeneuve plays, um, not Jacqueline Villeneuve, I'm trying to think, she plays Moneypenny. If you are not in love with the 1967 version of Moneypenny, you haven't got 
blood running through your veins. It's actually <laughs> quite a hilarious little film, but it is a mess. And then, of course, it was remade a third time, which was Daniel Craig's outing. And I'm going to date myself. God, I mean, that's going back probably 20 years now. Is that the one where... Daniel Craig comes walking out of the ocean up the beach. And even I was like, ooh, nice shorts. Mm. Yeah, he was by far the buffest James Bond. Yeah. Um, but anyway, I wanted to talk about the motorbikes and um, th their impact on Bond films, as small as they were. Now, this list I've prepared, and it's quite an exhaustive list, it is in purely chronological order. So there's no favorites in here. Oh, I have favorites. We, I know you do. <laughs> but we can talk about each one. Um, and I'm not talking about where you have a street scene, you see a bike in the background. This is where a motorcycle actually plays a part in the film. So for number one, we're going to go back to 1965. And Thunderbolt, which was um, one of my favorites. Thunderbolt's a great film. This is one where they're on roller skates and there's that on a rink with that game and the, the ball. That's rollerball. Oh. No, yes. Thunder, Thunderball is they steal a nuclear bomber and hide and the, it under the water. Yes, the one-eyed mastermind. Yes, exactly. Evil mastermind. Um, and the motorcycle was a BSA 650 Lightning right. with a full fairing on it, painted gold, um, with rocket launchers in the fairing. Um, <laughs> in the film, it was ridden by um, the villainess, who was Fiona Volpe. Um, in real terms, it was actually, um, the stuntman was um, rather legendary English TT rider called Bill Ivey, mm. who was a tiny man, who was kind of built like a jockey, and reportedly he wore a wig in the yeah. film and played, uh, played Fiona very well. Um, rather sad end for that bike. Like a lot of Bond bikes, it was dumped in a lake. Okay, Ooh. I just want to say up front. I got some beefs with Bond. Well, we're going to come to that because a lot of <laughs> these bikes end badly. They well, don't get treated particularly all, well. He's got a fear of kickstands. Yes. <laughs> yes. I did not find well, a single gonna, scene where the kickstand was used. So um, that was the first one. Ended up in a lake, but it did destroy a Ford Galaxy before it got put in the lake. So we like that. Let's move on five years to your least favorite, which is Diamonds Are Forever, um, which is Sean Connery. Um, you know, 1970 was not a great year <laughs> in terms of fashion, in terms of <laughs> style. Um, you know, I don't, think, style. I don't think we're going to look back at like 1970 and 71 and say, Ooh, you know, this was a great period for things looking good. That was the year. Especially tuxedos. I yes. got my bell bottoms and butterfly yo-yo, which right. was a big deal to me. Yes. Um, <laughs> so um, we see the introduction of the Honda ATC 70 three-wheeler. It's, it's a death, death trap. Now, yep. <laughs> these are the very, very early versions of the bike. And these bikes now, or trikes as I should say, are absolutely impossible to restore because they have a one-piece tire and wheel combination. Honda, you know, they're always on the cutting edge of how to manufacture things. And they actually molded a plastic wheel hub with a rubber tire actually attached to it. They weren't separate. And famously, there's one scene in it where one of the wheels gets torn off of one of these things and then magically reappears. 
But there is a chase involving three or four of these things with James Bond in this ridiculous moon buggy. And I'd say the top speed is probably about 20 miles an hour. Okay, so <clears throat> so I, I wanted to comment on the chase scene. So Emma is talking about the bikes, and I wanted to talk about the scene. This, to me, was the worst <laughs> Bond chase scene ever. First, it starts with uh, Sean Connery jumping into a moon buggy. Yeah, a moon buggy that's on the set of the moon with astronauts doing a fake lunar landing. And he takes off. And this moon buggy, I would say, has the same speed as a electric um, a wheelchair. Yeah, it was made by like a junior high physics class with yes. glue, glue guns yes. and, and zip ties. And he takes off on this moon buggy and then followed by these cars. And yes, there is one scene where a car crashes and then you see this extra wheel just roll into frame. That you could tell came from the the buggy, but then they cut to the next scene and the buggy's chasing up off a hill uh, with all four wheels again. You're like, well, they just didn't have another shot to use. That's funny. And then uh, these uh, trikes come out, these ATCs on these. The tires are like balloons. They're not rigid. They, they Yeah, they look they like look something like when we were kids, same era, they would make like a, a thing that went on, on the moon, like a moon vehicle. It looks yeah. like the tires well, off of it. Last week, we talked about fashioning bikes, and I warned up against taking things that were out of context, you know, because at the time, and you know, in 1969, we landed on the moon. Everyone was very sort of moon and space forward thinking and when these atcs came out i mean it was, oh it's like a moon buggy it's got these big balloon wheels on it and they're very space age looking as agricultural as they look to us now in 1970 it was like bloody hell what is this thing so they kind of utilized that and incorporated yeah. it in with a fake moon buggy it was it was hokey but fiberglass but it was of the time yeah when you had these trio of atc 7 atc 70s chasing a moon buggy at about 20 miles per hour through the desert you're like oh my god well that's us now when we yeah, were kids I know, watching I know, that I know. we were like oh my I know. god but also these atc 70s are not adult sized right these men are folded up like accordions to fit on it they are obviously children's sizes yeah. and uh so if you want to get a feel just watch him as he i think at the end as he outwits the evil villains and jumps on one yeah. and tries to speed off he's speeding off at like two miles three <laughs> miles five and wobbling like crazy <laughs> and then there, there was another scene where one of the the trikes crashes and you see the wheel falls off but then the next scene the wheel's back on and uh and james bond comes over and he kicks the guy in the shoulder and he flops over dead and he steals his trike and it, the whole thing does not age well it is I'm going to say the worst, best scene. Okay. Let's move on. <laughs> 1973. Now, by 1973, uh, Sean Connery was done. He was like, I'm done with this. And he was always regarded as very much the 1960s James Bond. So these are the Roger Moore years. Mm. And this is a lean time for bikes because reportedly Roger Moore, you know, he wanted to kind of, he played it up for laughs, but he wanted this kind of sophisticated thing. Remember, he got this job on the basis of him being the saint. So, and he was never that fond of motorbikes. So they don't really feature heavily. However, live and let die. So um, there's a very famous scene. He's on an island in Jamaica. Yes. Great theme song. Yes. Done by Wings and redone by Guns N' Roses. Yeah. But 
there's a very famous scene it's on an island in Jamaica and they're in a double decker bus which ultimately loses its top deck because they go under a bridge you see and there's him and Jane him driving and Jane Seymour hanging on the back but they're being chased by the local rosers who were famously on Harley Davidson Air Mackie 350s the flat singles <laughs> guess what happens to those bikes they end up in a lake. They go in the lake. Yeah, they <laughs> go in a lake. Because what is funnier than a motorbike ending up in a lake in a James Bond film? That ended badly. So, you know, that's kind of... Um, that was kind of an honourable mention. They, they they were in the, the film for about a minute, but nevertheless. A couple of, a, uh, couple of uh, Air Mackie 350s. Move on to 1977. Mm-hmm. And The Spy Who Loved Me. Yeah. Now, this was the introduction of the famous Lotus Elan that was the underwater and, you know, mm-hmm, swam mm-hmm. around underwater. Again, it was Roger Moore. And he was chased up a mountain road by a Kawasaki Z900A4. Yes. With a sidecar attached. Yes. And the sidecar detached and it was full of explosive. I have to say, we were watching this scene in the garage and I was I didn't see that coming. So the sidecar comes <laughs> off, gets stuck in the back of the truck, truck explodes, and um, all this uh, tar and feathers come out of the truck. I don't know where it came from. <laughs> yes. And so um, the rider of the Kawasaki can't see, goes over the cliff, and... In a lake! <laughs> ends up in a lake! <laughs> um, my opinion is anybody who puts a sidecar on a Z900 really deserves a lobotomy. So that really wasn't quite a surprise. It was great stunt work, though. Like the stunts are great in these oh, movies, I will say. But when the the motorcycle went off the cliff, <laughs> it looked like someone had taken the evil can evil toy and zip tied a leg to it and just yeah, yeah. shoved it, it off. Well, you know, like a rag doll. I was yeah. going to say, as you see this thing go off the cliff, you see this leg at a crazy Limbs angle. Just out. So um, <laughs> let's move on to 1981. We're still in the Roger Moore years. Um, Nothing really notable in here, except he goes down a bobsleigh run on a bobsleigh, and he's chased by two villains who are riding Yamaha XT500s. Yeah, probably these XT500s were, they would look good. I was going to say, probably the only good vehicle out of yeah, that year. Yeah, and they were pretty legit. I mean, this is getting towards the end of the XT500 run. And initially, when I saw this film, um, I thought, oh, those are XT350s, and they weren't. They were 500s, the mm-hmm. big boys. Um, very handsome bikes, black and white, with the nice gold rims, and they've got machine guns put on them, as bikes often have. Um, Before going and, in the pond. And it's a, it's a, good, it's a good scene. Um, and mm-hmm. that was pretty much marking the end of the Roger Moore years. Uh, so I want to comment on this one. <clears throat> Excellent riding down a uh, basically a ski uh, ski run area. Right, riding in the snow cannot be easy. Well, I think they've the, got spike tires on them. Couldn't tell, but <clears throat> but. Excellent uh, stunt riding, and that was exciting and fun to watch. That's something that did hold up stunt riding. But then when they jumped onto the luge run, yes, oh my heck! And that stunt man was actually on a luge run with ice because he's Mm -hmm. following. So there's a luge with Bond behind him on uh, what's he on a snowmobile? Yes, and then the motorcycle behind him. And he's going up the banks of the turns with his legs out as rudders, you know, and he rode it down an iced luge run. So hats off to that stuntman. Now, 
that was pretty much the end of Roger Moore's run because he was 54 when he made that film. Mm -hmm. And in it, he was kind of, um, you know, Bond always gets the girl. And I think she was 23. And it was it was pretty was cringy. Little, <laughs> little know, testosterone like, late. Yeah, I was going to say, you know, it's, a, it's kind of a May to September romance. You get this 54-year-old. <laughs> what are you Bond. looking at me for? <laughs> well, no, I'm just saying, you know, and he, she's, she, she was... I have a question. Yes. So, um, <clears throat> do you remember, like, these for these early films, um, how it affected sales? Oh, it Did, didn't. It didn't? No. It didn't really have... No. Okay. Did, no. Just jumping ahead, do you see a comparison? Because it looks like Triumph's trying to market their bikes. We're going to get to that. Yeah. Uh, we're going to get yeah, to I that. Yeah, I didn't know. Like, those XT500s, they were hauling. I'm like, did that sell a bunch of XT500s for no. you? No. Okay. Bond has to be on it, yeah. right? Yeah. Exactly. You know, the goodie has to be on it. Um, we're going to go to 1983, and <laughs> this is... So, 1983, um, my, this was actually an unofficial Bond film. It was called Never Say Never Again. And they brought Sean Connery back for this film. Oh, right. Now, when he made this film, he was 53, so he was no spring chicken himself. But he was still younger than Roger Moore was when he made... Mm -hmm. You know, uh, for your eyes only. Um, two years before, um, the bike he uses, as ridiculous as it is, was basically pitched as it was Yamaha XJ650 Turbo, which was the hot ticket back in eighty one. Yeah. I mean, all the people had turbo <laughs> bikes, and it was fitted with um, rockets and machine guns. This and was the thing. first, like, really bondified. Yeah, it was. Bike it was a kitted out bike. Yeah. The reality was, of course, it was a dirt bike. Because he pulls wheelies on it and jumps it. And and I, I just realized that's because all the other bikes were randos that got picked up for right. a quick escape. But this, this was, a, was, this was a custom built bike. Yes, bike yes. Q. Now, we all joke about it and say, oh, you know, it, it's like they always substitute dirt bikes. But they've been doing, Hollywood's been doing this for years since the yeah. beginning of motorcycles. You watch any episode of Chips where they're riding off road. The Z900s miraculously become yeah. dirt bikes. Even going back, then came Bronson. If you look at the beginning sequence of then came Bronson, what was he supposed to be riding? I don't know. A Triumph? I don't know. No, it was a Harley Sportster. Oh, okay. But there's a sequence, and actually, funnily enough, it was filmed in Big Sur, of him riding down the beach because... Then came Bronson, you know, it was the, the, the escapism film. Mm -hmm. And there was this guy got out of San Francisco and was just riding around on a bike. It was actually a great show. Um, and there's a sequence where he's supposedly riding this sportster on the beach and he's pulling wheelies and jumping through the dunes. But, of course, he's got a big 21-inch front wheel and long-travel suspension. So, you know, it was a dirt bike. So this has been going Ter on forever. Terminator 2. Yes, exactly. Bike. Yeah. So now... Um, but that the thing is, they leave the 21-inch <laughs> knobbies... That's that's the thing that's amazing that 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 discrepancy, you know. Um, so we're going to jump ahead twelve years. No, 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 we're not done with this one. Oh, no, 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 never say never. Because this one that was a fully kitted bike, and this is when he he did the rocket jump. Oh well, <laughs> if you can call sparks and smoke <laughs> coming out of the bike. Um, no, once again, um, it was a fun scene to watch. 
and him evading them. And then there was a jump where there, he pressed a button and flame shot out the back and he jumped over a river. Yeah, I mean, you know. But it, but it was it's a fun scene. And again, heck of good writing. Yes, absolutely. So let's move forward to 1995 mm-hmm. and to GoldenEye. And this was our debut for Pierce Brosnan. Mm-hmm. Um, very handsome Irish guy. And it is the bike in it. Very, very short sequence for a bike. It's a Kagiva W16 600cc. And it's written over a cliff and... What's at the bottom of the cliff? Well, (laughs) Pierce Brosnan jumps off the bike and actually skydives into a falling plane and gets behind the controls of a plane and saves the day as as he does. So we don't know if there's a lake lake down there. We don't know what happened to the bike, but I guarantee you it was a no, lake. No, but again, that to me, the, there's no respect. No respect for these bikes. They're all just mangled. Short scene. What if they're still there? Bike gets Ooh. destroyed, I'm sure they are. 1997, we're going to come to probably what I feel is is the most famous motorcycle yes. sequence. Whether it's good or bad, it is by far the most famous. And we need to talk about a little backstory behind this. The Bond franchise... (laughs) It's right behind your back, in fact. The Bond franchise is worth a lot of money. Mm -hmm. Um, Bond films consistently break records as the best-selling films in the world. I mean, if if you show a Bond movie, you've got gold. And so, obviously, if your vehicles get featured in it, it's worth good money if the goodie is riding them. Not necessarily if the baddie's riding them. I mean, these early films, it's mostly the baddies on motorbikes, but if Bond himself or Felix Leiter or whoever is using one of these vehicles, it can be valuable. Now, in the mid-90s, BMW got inroads into Bond in a big way for their vehicles. And famously, Bond, I think in that movie drove a BMW 750, the big sedan, that he could power from a remote control. And, of course, there was, um, in a later one, there was the Z8 Roadster as Mm -hmm. well, which Mm -hmm. he drove. So, anyway, um, BMW had just brought out, or when I think the film came out, it hadn't been released yet, they were entering the cruiser market. Yep. And they thought, well, what better way to, to promote our cruiser to separate it from the Japanese cruisers and from the the Harley Davidsons by having it feature in a Bond movie and we can showcase how much power it's got and how well it handles. So very, very famously, Bond sitting forwards and the female agent sitting backwards facing him are on this BMW R1200C. Played by Michelle Yao. Yes, of uh, Crouching Tiger and yes, Dragon, in, in, and also just won the Golden Globe for Everything, Everywhere, All at Once. Yep, that's right. Yes, and so it was cool to see her in this. She's amazing. She's amazing. Um, it's an absolutely great sequence. I think it's fair to credit the stunt rider at the time. It was a French stunt rider, Jean-Pierre Goy, um, an amazing rider. And most of the stunts in it, this is really, I'm not going to say it's pre-CGI. There was CGI around let, in Let me ask you something real quick. Of all the bikes that BMW sold, where on the list would this 
this cruiser have been for for a Bond film if you were in charge? Give it to your grandma to go down the road. Then. That, <laughs> well, that you cream know, color too. I always felt that the R twelve hundred C was a misunderstood bike. In my opinion, it is the greatest sidecar tug ever um, made. Okay, fair enough. Um, that's its place in history. It is an odd-looking bike. The styling is quite singular. Um, the yeah. fact of the matter is, it was BMW's best-selling bike for 1998. But here's the thing. They really promoted this as a Bond bike. And this is the first time I right. remember... That that was a big promotion. Well, and if you and saw it, you are able to two up, jump a helicopter. Yeah. So if that doesn't say Bond bike, I don't and know what it, does. Once you understand what BMW were trying to do with this bike, it was a new avenue. It was BMW's first cruiser, and they wanted to make sure people knew it was powerful. I mean, things only got about seventy horsepower, but that's powerful for a yeah. cruiser. And they wanted to make sure people knew that it handled well and all these things. So, hence, it featured very, very heavily. Um, and that, in my opinion, that's probably the most famous Bond motorcycle oh, sequence. Yeah, okay, and this, well, the stunt work was awesome. I need to talk about this chasing. This one was one of the hardest to watch. Because what you have is you have Pierce Brosnan and Michelle Yao. Yes. They're handcuffed together her right hand to his left hand so when he goes and jumps on the bike and she gets on back his hand can't reach the clutch because they're handcuffed so she reaches up with her free left hand and they're riding with her operating the clutch and him operating the throttle which I think is near impossible to do. But in fact, I want to try that. Sounds like a challenge. (laughs) Yes, I'm throwing out this challenge for one of our, when we get enough drunk people in a mini bike around, um, because that looks impossible. Um, So, but hey, you know, for for them creating like something, making the impossible plausible. But that was the first part where I'm like, there's no way. And then there was a scene where they're riding and he jumps through a window and lands, or he lands on the roof of a building and the roof collapsed, and he drops down, and they land upright <laughs> in the building. <laughs> like you do. Like you do. And I'm like, that's not how that works. <laughs> and then the other the other scene where we, we say, defying uh, the laws of physics, he's squaring off with a helicopter. There's a helicopter oh, yeah. chasing him. Oh, the yeah. two of them are still <laughs> on the bike. And at one point they realize she flips around in front of him. So she's facing him holding on like a little koala so that his hand can reach the clutch. And, um, and they're trying to evade this helicopter. Who then does this thing where it tilts down to like a 45 degree angle. Yeah. And the blades and are actually, forward. and the blades are f- flying down the, this yeah, alley they're, and they're dicing bok choy like crazy uh, all the awnings of this alley and it's inching towards them yeah no the helicopter would crash immediately i, I didn't mean, it's think beautiful. a helicopter can be at a 45 degree angle well the helicopter can do that but forward. i mean a moment a blade touches something <laughs> yeah. concrete buildings would, yeah. yeah that <laughs> would be <laughs> the end of it so let's yeah. move forward because we still have bikes to get through okay. let's go to 2008 quantum of solace this is Daniel Craig. Yes. This is his second outing of Daniel mm. Craig. And we're in Port-au-Prince, Haiti. Yes. He's riding a Montessa Coda. 
4RT, which is four-stroke motor Dakota. And this was largely this choice of the stunt rider, who was MX, uh, motocross champ British guy, Rob Herrick. Did, did we have those here? It's got a trials, trials-y yeah. kind of look to it. It yeah. has. Um, but Rob... Uh, he's a very, very interesting character. He's motocross champ many times over in England. Um, and w- he decided that his career path, he should become a stunt rider and was very, very successful at it. Um, did a lot of stunts for Mission Impossible as well. Um, but anyway, so... Um, this one has a famous scene in it. Yes. Where there is a, a, a guy, I don't know, is he a baddie? He's a baddie on yes. a bike? And and James Bond walks up to him and slaps his clutch hand, which pops the clutch <laughs> of the bike, which then does a flip, sending him flying, and then he picks the bike up and takes off. And I'm like... <laughs> Sounds uh, accurate. Okay. All right. That was fun. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, you know, <laughs> it's legit. Interestingly <laughs> enough, Montessa still makes the same model bike. Yep. Oh, really? Yeah, because it is a very, very good bike. Let's move forward another four years. Daniel Craig again. Yeah. Honda CRF 250 police spec bikes. Yes. Now, this is interesting because in this film, Daniel Craig did some of the riding himself. Mm-hmm. Um, the rest of it was taked up, taken up by another Brit, Robbie Madison. Our friend yeah. Rob Herring was on camera bike because it was shown from camera to, right. you know, bike to bike. And uh, Robbie Madison, famous jumper. Absolutely. Yeah. And so, um, our final two, we're, we're up to the final two, and they both appear in the same film. So, I hear, though, I'm curious, that one where they're using the, the Honda, yes. the CRF250, mm-hmm. but you can't tell it's a Honda. No, you can't. It, look, it looks right. way better than where that. Where I just found interesting, we went from the BMW that was obviously like product placement and was cross-promoted. It was right, a big right, deal. Right. To a bike that was had plastics changed and tanks changed exactly, and painted. Because and the front light, uh, headlight changed, so you couldn't identify yeah. it. Because it, there was no money changing hands. It was yes. there for the stunts as opposed to the bike. Which brings us to 2021, No Time to Die. And we're going to feature two bikes. They're both by Triumph. Triumph had really got their tentacles into James Bond now. And they wanted both bikes featured. Oh, wait. I forgot about the other one, though. The, the, which is <coughs> the one where they want to cross the rooftops? Did we get that one yet? The, um, Did we, do, we haven't done Skyfall yet, have we? No, I haven't oh, done my bad. Okay, keep going. Well, I was just going to do No Time to Die. Yeah, yeah, okay. Um. So there's two bikes in No Time Today. Yes. Triumph Tiger 900, Rally yes. Pro. And when that ha- when that film was made, the Rally Pro was actually a secret bike, and its mm-hmm. debut mm-hmm. was actually in the film. Um, famously written by Lee Morrison, another mm-hmm. stunt guy, in Norway. And then the second bike which is, I know, your favorite, is the Scrambler 1200. Yeah. And this is the one that you've got the model That's of. That's the model of. The, the 1200 XE, filmed in uh, Italy, in Matera. Yes. And this stunt is, is incredible because you're riding basically over a 45-foot wall. Yeah, so in the stunt scene, and they were they're riding all through this village upstairs, downstairs, right? These like alleyway kind of tight, you know, on a hillside. The bike got a workout. Oh, it did. 
But then the big the big stunt was they built this near vertical ramp. Right. Like near vertical that he actually it's a live no no uh, CG. Well, there was some CG, but the bike was not cabled or anything. Right. And he rode up this ramp over a wall sideways, landed above in front of a church and rode off. Right. Um, Paul Edmondson. Got to give him credit, an amazing stunt rider. No CGI involved at all. He made the jump. The only CGI was the ramp was not um, a physical thing that was there. Right. So they built a ramp that had a safety... um, Exactly. A safety uh, roof on it, you know, stuff like that. Um, and then they in, they CGI'd out the ramp and turned it into a stone archway. Right, exactly. That was the only CGI. But the bike was, was not CGI. Actually that was actually written by action. Paul Edmondson. Yes. And once again, Daniel Craig picked up the slack. No, you mentioned, what was the film you mentioned? Uh, Skyfall. No, no, that was our 2012 one with the CRFs. Yes. So that's the one that had what I believe, um, hey, um, um, challenge me, the best motorcycle chasing in a bond film well the thing i liked about skyfall is you've got you you've basically got three people involved with the bikes as i said daniel craig did some of the riding um robbie madison who is no slouch Mm -hmm. at all picked up the slack with the very very technical stuff and then our friend rob herring is on camera bike as well how could it not be great well, at one point, they're riding on tile rooftops in, in Italy, I assume, right? Right, right, right. And you could see some of these tiles breaking and flying off pieces, and they're riding across rooftops, and I just couldn't help but think, like, oh, my God, how much did it cost them to, like, replace roofs when they were <laughs> right. done? That was a heck of a, a stunt. But I think it's because they were on more capable bikes. I say capable. I mean, Jim right. and I have had the 250s. They're not big, powerful bikes. But they were light enough that they could they, do stuff. Well, these, I mean, they're riding up stairwells and yeah. doing crazy stuff, yeah. My only regret with this list, and that completes my list. We've got 12 bikes, and I know Bagel's going to come in with a couple of scooters. My only regret was that I couldn't find any motorcycles featured with my favorite Bond. And my favorite Bond is actually probably the least popular. Um, Starts with a T. Oh, I know who it is. I think Timothy Dalton was the perfect Bond. And I'll tell you why. He's incredibly handsome. I didn't think he had the swagger. No, but he was a fucking psychopath. (laughs) And basically, that's what Bond is. Out of every single person who has ever played Bond, the person who I think was the most convincing at killing people was Timothy Dalton. Mm. Absolute psychopath. What were the two? He did two, right? What were the two films he did? Um, Living Daylights. And, oh, God, you're putting me on the spot now. Oh, I'm sorry. Um, it's, it's 1980s stuff. I don't remember. Yeah, but nevertheless, he is a great Bond. And he, by far my favorite. Um, for a long time, you know, Bond was never played by an English person, Englishman. But what I find is interesting to this day, if yes. you ask somebody to name a bike from a Bond film. It's always the BMW. It's the BMW, which is because it was so heavily featured and promoted, cross-promoted. I believe that the success of those sales was due 
to that film. Oh, I'm sure it was. As I told you, and this is factual, that was BMW's best-selling bike. And bear in mind, with the GSs were in full effect mm-hmm. in 1998. All of the bikes that BMW had in their range, all the capable bikes, all these superb machines, the Cruiser, best-selling bike by far. Hmm. Bagel, so, yes. tell us about some Bond scooters. Yeah, because here's the thing. I don't even know if they're scooters. Are there scooters in it? No, I'm sure Bagel So I asked Bagel, I'm like, Bagel, are there scooters in Bond films? Find out. Tell us about it. Well, I'm sure that in some of the the 60s Bond films, there were probably some Vespas and Lambrettas in the background, but none none that I could find that were actually featured as uh, featured vehicles in in the movie. Mm -hmm. However... Uh, there was a scooter in No Time to Die. Mm. Uh, the character Nomi rode a Royal Alloy GT150 oh. and actually took Bond on as her passenger. <laughs> Fantastic! <laughs> and this is this is in the scene in uh, Jamaica in that movie, which I've not seen, but I would like to see that just to see the Royal Alloy. Well, um, and- but I but I do want to mention there was also. Yes. Uh, a scooter adjacent. Yes, I think uh, this is what we're waiting for. This is in Octopussy. Uh, there was, which I at, I wasn't sure what it was, but I had to do some digging and because I, I was hoping it was a Bajaj, but it was not a Bajaj. <laughs> oh. They used uh, KEL auto rickshaws, which is made by a company in uh, uh, Co- uh, some, uh, some, somewhere, somewhere in India, but it's a, it's a very common rickshaw that's a competitor to Bajaj. And this is in the scene where the villain uh, Gobinda was chasing uh, Vijay, who was driving the uh, the other rickshaw uh, and had Bond as his passenger. And uh, Vijay referred to it as a company car before <laughs> he uh, pulled on the throttle and pulled a wheelie right through a crowded market. <laughs> Heck yeah, Vijay means victory in Hindu. Ah, there we go. That. <laughs> so yeah, and uh, it's a very exciting chase scene in... Uh, in that movie with auto rickshaws. Yeah. They jumped that rickshaw, didn't they? There's, uh, there's a big jump in did. that yeah. scene. Yeah. There is I a jump like, scene. What? So yeah. there's. With, there, with lots of cheesy lines thrown in, of course. So there's one other bike we haven't talked about yet. And I didn't know if it would fall into Emma's or bagels list. Do you know what I'm talking about? Oh, by Emma? the way, um, here's a postscript. The two bond films that Timothy Dalton made were The Living Daylights. And then, of course, and the reason I forgot it, because they changed the name. The original name was License Revoked, but they changed the name to License to Kill in 1989. So 87, The Living Daylights, and then License to Kill in 89. Um, I'm going to go back and watch them. Watch out of the two... I would watch License to Kill. It's very much a revenge flick. It's um, it's quite a good film, actually. And you will have a new respect for Timothy Dalton once you've watched them. So there's one more that nobody mentioned yet. I think we should get a nod. And I'm going to um, lead up to this. It's, it's similar to, I think, the reason that you don't know about it is you know how um, Coca-Cola is a brand name, but now a lot of people just say if they want a soda pop, they just say, I want a Coke? Yes. Well, Jet Ski is the same thing. You think that's a brand name. It's not the actual product. Before Jet Ski. It was a wet bike. 
the wet bike. And right. that actually that actually featured in uh, in that nineteen seventy seven flick. That was its outing. The spy who loved the me. The spy who loved me. And this was powered by a Suzuki engine. Yep. And it was an actual working product that you could go buy, even though it looked very futuristic. And it's basically a it's like a well, it's it's an earlier version of what like a skidoo is now, but it has these. Uh, it really looks like a, a, a snowmobile. It looks like a, a snowmobile, but yeah. Um, I think but the it, most famous outing it's for the, the, the wet bike. The wet bike. I think the most famous outing for that. What was the what was the uh, the comedy with Steve Guttenberg about the police police academy? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Yes. Well, if you're interested, I found one for sale. A 1983 50 horsepower Suzuki wet bike that is complete and ran three years ago. Uh, looks Bam to be in, in fine shape. Oh, Ooh, fantastic. So I wonder if this is something that will owe its success to the Bond film as oh, well. Oh, it's only, eight, it's only 850 bucks. Oh. Wow. Just needs wiring deed redone due to rat pack oh. rats chewing oh. up ignition wires. Oh no. Oh. So we'll offer two. Wow. <laughs> so there's also another thing. Uh Jim, you got to experience this down in LA when you're talking about hmm. bond vehicles. Yes. You saw a cool thing. I did, yeah. And if longtime podcast listeners might remember, uh Liza and I did a, a trip down to the Peterson Museum, which uh is in Los Angeles. It's an automotive museum mostly, and it was uh, built by a guy. It's an old department building building, so it's the size of a couple of city blocks, probably five or six stories tall with a roof deck. Um, but the outside looks like an art gallery. So uh, Peterson was a guy that owned Hot Rod Magazine, going down a rabbit hole here, but owned Hot Rod Magazine, made a bunch of money, has a great auto car museum in Los Angeles. I was down there um, visiting my daughter, I don't know, a month or two ago, a couple of months ago, and... The Peterson is worth visiting, even if you're not into cars and such, just the artistic value and the way it's curated is worth seeing. So uh, they have some permanent collection, but a lot of rotating stuff, obviously a bunch of motorcycle stuff that's usually on the top floor. But they had a area designated to all the Bond films. Yeah. So you and got to see a bunch of these vehicles. I did. As much as I hate LA, um, there's certain places that are definitely worth going to, and the Peterson's one of them. And they must have had, no joke, I would say 30 to 40 actual vehicles from the Bond films. Most of them Christ. were working vehicles. Yeah. And it was everything from the old, beautiful, pristine Aston Martins to the more recent movies where, if you recall, the movie where he rolls the Aston Martin a whole bunch of times. Mm -hmm. That is Casino Royale. Thank you. And um, A, it was a, uh, the stunt was the most rolls of a car ever. And they wow. also had the actual car they rolled. In the, in the museum, so you could see it. It was pretty kind of neat. But all the stuff from way back, the three-wheelers we were referring to, they have one of those, and it's actually propped up with a guy getting kicked off it, like a scene in the movie, <laughs> <Cool>. <laughs> right? Like the way they stage things like that. They had the wet bike. They had the underwater, you know, things that shoot the spear guns. Um, a lot of stuff. I mean, that was, that was worth the small price of admission alone. But, if, yeah, if you're ever in the L.A. area, uh, definitely the Peterson's a, a one not to miss. And if you want to see it, we were watching some YouTube videos earlier today of people that have walked through there. So if you do want to get a feel for it, uh, definitely worth checking out. But be able to get that close to all the actual – they had airplanes. They had uh, whatever the fuck it is you put with a kite on top oh, and yeah, a fan yeah, yeah, in yeah. the back. Um, and it's also nice because uh, like uh, a lot of times – Aerolite. Air, air, uh, something like that. Yeah. Anyway, um, 
But like a lot of things they do at the Peterson is they'll give you a little narrative about it, or they'll have that that scene in the movie playing in the background, which really adds to the whole experience. But I tell Liza, you know, you look in the cars and on the shifter, there'll be the buttons, fire, smoke, ejection, yeah. you know? Um, so they, it's really, but you also see the smoke and mirror of Hollywood where, where from a distance on movie, it looks super realistic. But when you get up close and kind of look at it, um, you're like, wow, that's really kind of janky. But most of the stuff actually functioned. Um, side note, one of the coolest motorcycles from Hollywood that you'll see there, besides the Batman one with the side cart for Robin that you can actually detach and drive like a go-kart, are the motorcycles from the Terminator movie. So if you remember yeah, the, yeah. the automated motorcycles. Mm-hmm. And what's cool about it is you can tell someone, there were stunt people riding those motorcycles at times. Obviously, it was a lot of CGI. But you could see these tiny little little handlebars clip-on stuck in there and a throttle with some tape on it. You could see a couple of tiny foot pegs and a shifter, but they're all built into this super machined-looking, you know, robotic motorcycle. It's just fast. Hollywood and stunt work fascinates me. So I have a question for all of you. Um, they're currently doing a search for the next James Bond. You know, Daniel Craig is done. And there's a bunch of names are floating out there. Tom Hardy, Henry Cavill, Aaron Taylor Johnson. There's a bunch of people who are testing. I'm not even going to guess who who it's going to be. But let's see if we can guess what bike will be in the next Bond film. Because I don't know. I don't know. I'm just saying, what bike do you think, if you had the ability to pitch, what bike should be in the next... Do you like the bikes that, like the the R twelve hundred C that did things it probably shouldn't be able to do, or do you like seeing like the the Honda dirt bike or the Triumph Scrambler doing things that made it more capable? Well, here's the for me, Bond is a quintessentially English creation, and what that means being English, I mean there, there can there can be a variety of uh, of things to different people. But the most famous Bond car of all time is the Aston Martin. And it keeps coming back. The original Aston Martin, which was originally featured in um, Goldfinger back in 64. That was the original outing for the DB4 Aston Martin. Before then, they hadn't really decided on a... a, um, on a car for Bond. Incidentally, in the books that Ian Fleming wrote, um, Bond drove a vintage Bentley, mm. which again, a quintessentially English car. Um, but if we project that through, and it's a bike that so, Bond actually rides or the good guys ride. So a Royal Enfield? It should be an English bike, which basically means well, triumph. Or yeah, BSA. That's what comes to mind. If you want to throw back, you know, throw back to some of the earlier Bond movies when they had the the oh, BSA. What about the Triumph Rocket? That could be interesting. Yeah, I mean, you know, the 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 current incarnation, and you know, it's the thing I like about Triumph is like Bond himself, um, it's reinventing itself. I mean, the bikes that Triumph make now, it would would never have even thought of in the 1960s. I mean, the thought that Triumph would make be making the largest capacity production bike. Um, and I know everyone who's bought a Bossos is going to say, not true. But, you know, the <laughs> Bossos is kind of like a hand-built, you know, non-production bike. 
you can go out and buy a 2500cc Triumph Rockin. Amazing looking thing just off the showroom floor. So um, Triumph... A triumph is a winner there, I think. Okay, I have a pitch. Okay, go I on. I have a pitch. Hear me out. I'm pretty sure Bagel will, will, will agree. I would it. like to see a Vespa cross bike. Either that or, mm. or, um, and, and I think I'm going to make a different different suggestion, but I can you have a Lambretta Vespa cross? <laughs> How does that work? Anyway, you could build an off-road Lambretta. So I'm sure, yeah. There's a video that that went around of a kid on a Lambretta two-stroke hauling ass, passing people up, nice. and that is the one. I'm like, you don't expect it, but hey, it fits the criteria of something that just happens to be sitting there on the sidewalk or somebody, some kid riding by that he can like steal it and hop on, and then like, we need a Lambretta. Two stroke that hauls ass. I think that would be awesome. That can be built. So, so what do you got, Jim? Okay, I'm I'm sticking with my BSA. So yeah, BSA, yeah, yeah, and okay. I'm I'm curious about the build quality on this, and and is it adaptable? So the BSA Gold Star, right? Uh, they had the BSA, and I think was it in the 1965 Bond movie. But if you look at the new one, um, it's a it's a kind of a cool looking bike. Okay. But why not have a throwback to to some of the original stuff, but with a new model? Now, the thing that concerns me about this bike is it retails for 6,800 pounds. Oh. So what's that, like seven grand or something like that, we'll call it? It's pretty cheap. So it's in that Royal Enfield kind of market. I'm guessing this isn't British-made BSA anymore. No. And and that's where I divest. You know, it's like, okay, do I really want him on a cheap-made Indian BSA gold star? Okay, what if we can get an Amigo in there? <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Juan Bond. <laughs> All right, Bagel. What do you think should be the next Bond bike? Well, what I would really like to see would be a Zero SRF or SRS. Ooh. Because Bond's never ridden an electric bike before, as far as I know. I mean, unless you consider that moon buggy thing, which might have been electric. I don't know. <laughs> but look like something um, sitting sitting whatever Marty Croft. Yes, exactly. Yeah. But that, you know, that's a it's a quick bike. It's fast. It's sleek. Um that could be an awesome chase bike, a chase scene bike. Oh, I I will jump on that with the new Stark electric dirt bikes. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That Ooh. could be a nice combo. Okay. Go. I'm gonna make one more pitch. I think this will be like like inception with all these layers. What if they film the next Bond movie in the USA and it he runs into the Peterson with the exhibit <laughs> and grabs something? <laughs> and grabs something from the exhibit, one of the Bond bikes. That could be trippy. That would be fun. And ride through the museum. I think you got something there. Right? I think God. all right, you may want to cut this out of the podcast. <laughs> Yeah. It is fun to think about, though. Okay. Well, guess what time it is. Time to get ill. It's game time. <laughs> I, desi- <laughs> I designed this game thinking that other people were going to be here. Oh, is this? The- oh, no. So I don't this know how this horrible. is going to go, especially because it's supposed to be everybody versus Emma. So, Emma. <laughs> Why? Why me? No, Why? no, no. Just... Yeah, I was hoping there would be more misfits here just to maybe even it up. But we got Bagel and Jim, so we're going to try it. We're sunk. See how it goes. <laughs> so this game is like, um, you know those games where like 
you have to like name animals and you have to like use different letters and go down the alphabet. It's kind of like that. So we're going to go between um, Bagel and Jim and you guys can work together, but you only have like five seconds to answer. Like you got to come up with some. Um, and then Emma, whoever can't come up with an answer loses. It's that easy. Oh, okay. So what this is, is I have printed out a list and, and this is a game we can play multiple times. I, I thought it'd be fun to print out a list of current model bikes from a brand of motorcycle. <coughs> okay. And I have this entire list of the 2023 models. And all you guys have to do is take turns naming a bike that is on this list. So we are talking about 2023 models available right now. And the brand that I chose in honor of this whole bond thing was Triumph. I haven't had had a look at the 23 range yet. (laughs) (laughs) So we're going to start and I have a list. I'll check it off. Emma, I just need you to name any Triumph that is on the current roster. A Tiger 900. Okay, there are two. Rally Pro. Okay, the Rally. Got it. All right. Uh, Bagel Jim, either of you got one? Tiger 1200 Rally. That is correct. <laughs> Woo-hoo, the save. All right. Emma, your turn. Rocket. Uh, there is a Rocket 3. It's in the power cruiser section. Bagel, do you have any? Um, how about a Triumph Bonneville? I need more information. There's a few Bonnevilles. Hmm, Bonneville 650. That Jim, do you want right. to save him? Uh, T100 or 120. Pick one. T100. There you go. I, I let, I'll let you build uh, off of that because Bagel had the Bonneville. T100, good. All right, Emma, your turn. Scrambler 1200 XC. Got it. Scrambler 1200. All right, Jim or Bagel? Uh, speed triple. Speed triple. That is on there. And Bagel, I'm sorry they don't make scooters. Not anymore. It's no, been a while. I know. <laughs> All right, Emma. I, I wish they made a modern tigress. I'd buy one of those. Street triple. <laughs> that is correct. All right. Street or speed twin? Street twin. Street twin. You are correct. Ooh. Okay. Um, and bagel. When is your? T- just raise your hand, and and Jim can see you. So if you have an answer, I don't want well, to I'll just see if I can you. come up with something. Otherwise, he's just going to keep shouting out. All right, Emma, your turn. Daytona. Yeah, the Daytona Moto 2, 765. Right. Oh, my God, that's a good bike. Right. Fucking hell, that's a great bike. Jim? Did we say Tiger? Was that the first one we were saying? Or no, that was a Scrambler. Tiger, 900. Tiger, 900. Yeah, she said the rally. Oh, is that what we said? Okay, then so, I'll go. So there is another Tiger, 900. Uh, SE? I don't know, making shit up. I don't know. It's GT. I'm just going to give it to him. I didn't know. I couldn't remember if we said. Witty GT. GT. Okay, yeah. That's just, yeah, the Tiger 900. Okay. And then there's the rally. All right, Emma. Um, Triumph T120. You mean the, I need more information. The Bonneville yes, T120. Bonneville T120. That is correct. All right, Jim or Bagel? Digging deep. Thruxton. <gasps> 
Ooh, mm. check you out. That is correct. Thruxton. Oh, I wonder All if right. they still do it. The Triumph Thruxton R. No, the Thruxton was an RS. So there's, there's So that was it. That's the only the, Thruxton. The, so they're only doing Thruxton R now. Yeah, RS, oh, yeah. okay. Yeah. So I'm down one. So let me think. You, yeah, you need to come up with something pretty quick. And there's something really obvious that none of you have said. Really? Yeah. Um, the uh, Triumph Street Cup. The what? Street Cup. There's nothing called a street cup. Oh, well, there used to be. <laughs> I'm going to give you five seconds to come up with another, or they're going to win. No, let them win. One, they deserve it. Two. What do you own? Three. Are you going to say four? Oh, Trident? There we go. Oh, under the wire. Yeah, of the course. Trident yeah, the new Trident. The new Trident. Thank you. And what Ooh. a great bike that is. All right. And always has been. Is it a triple? Yes. Hence the oh. Trident. All right. Jim or Bagel? And there's one on this list that uh, when we did our Twisted Road test ride went out with us that no one's mentioned yet. Was it the rocket? The pocket rocket? No rocket's been mentioned. Oh, did we? God, they've got a they've got a oh, heck didn't of a we have range. Where hit the Bonnevilles, huh? Well, there's a bunch of Bonnevilles. Yes, you um, haven't mentioned one of them. I'm 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 tapping out now. I don't know. Three. Um, I'm at a loss. Two. One. Ah, okay. Emma wins barely. Hey, at least it was good. At least it was we scored. <laughs> yes, yes. So I'll tell you what did not get mentioned: the Explorer, the Tiger Sport 660, the Tiger 850 Sport, the Tiger 1200 GT. So there were bunches of Tigers. The Street Scrambler. Yes. Mm. The Speed Twin. Yes. The Bonneville Bobber. That's what we oh, took out. The Speedmaster and as well. the Bonneville Speedmaster. Speed Those are the ones that were missing Well, from I mean, the list. not bad. We covered a lot of them. And I think it was largely, and in fairness to um, um, Jim and Bagel, you know, it's just remembering all these bloody models they do and <laughs> what they've dropped. You know, the Street Cup was a great bike. And you'd recognize it instantly, Liza, because they were school bus yellow and gray. Um, really good-looking bike, but, of course, they've dropped it now. Obviously, they've dropped the Explorer name as well yeah. because the top-of-the-line 1200 was the Exploder for a long, long time. Well, and not on that list, but what is coming is all the new dirt bikes. Yes. So I'm curious. Do you think this time, maybe next year or the year after, we might see – Triumph in the Dakar Rally. Oh, I'd love to see that. Mm. Yeah, it's mm. only only money. In fact, <laughs> let's get a Dakar update because oh. this is it's been two weeks. This is the Dakar is did it end end? But I, it, it I think ended it today, ended. Yes, but we haven't gotten all of the updates and videos yet. Yes, yeah, they're starting to roll in, but yeah. But um, yeah, I was I was I was following it today and doing my Red Bull recaps and watching, and um, I was talking with Jim. Um, the, basically with Red Bull, they're just following the leaders. These are the sponsored riders. There are so many other people participating in this. And the, the Malay, you said, yeah. which is like, like an Iron Man. I mean, they're, they're doing it themselves. Their boxes are moved for them and mm -hmm. they got to do all their work. Um, but hardcore, there was one night where the, uh, the conditions were so bad that a lot of people, a lot of, didn't get in until about three o'clock in the morning. And the bikes were Ugh. scheduled to take off at 4.30. <laughs> oh, 
Oh. So they actually called off the bikes, the bikes and the quads, and gave them a, a road day just to take the road and ha- kind of have a day off. So I like hearing that, that they're not just sending people out there to kill themselves, because that does happen. Yeah, people get hurt a plenty. That's for sure. Yes. Oh, yeah. And and you see them take a lot of the, you know, just talking about safety, you, you see them taking it seriously. Um, you know, they have a lot of support staff there, obviously. Um, but if you watch all the the motorcycle, and motorcycling by far is the most dangerous part, you know, the class they have. I, I have trouble watching the quads. <laughs> I can't. These quads <laughs> suck no matter where they are, I swear to gosh. <laughs> Uh, but but you know if you look at all the riders now they all have airbag vests right which are brilliant and even then yeah. you know it, it's kind of good and bad that they don't catch a lot of the crashes on on tape because they're vicious but the, the two kind of crashes you see are first high speed um these guys are hauling the mail through the desert when they can i don't know what their top speeds are but it's got to be around 100 miles an hour but if you've ever ridden in the sand you're going 50 60 it's plenty scary um and if you get off, you know, sand is soft until you get off it at going 60 or 70 miles an hour. So you're still seeing injuries, um, you know, uh, back, br- broken backs, yeah. broken oh, shoulder yeah. blades, um, things like that. And the other injuries you see, which are just as dangerous, are the dunes are so unpredictable. And if you've ever ridden in dunes or, you know, sand buggied, whatever, uh, they go up and down and up and down. And you know that they'll die off pretty steep on some sides, but but you never know when. And you get lulled into this sense, like you're grooving, like you're yeah. snowboarding and you're something. You're like, oh, I got this nailed. You're doing like 20, 30 miles an hour. And then all of a sudden, just by surprise, this dune, you'll come over the, the top of it. And you got to be carrying some speed to go over a dune or else you'll stop at the top and sink in. So you got to carry some speed. But if you're hauling the mail, you can launch off a dune and the bottom just drops out. And there was one. What, who's the, race, the young guy? Um, I want to say Max Klein. There, there was Emma. He went over. He launched over Dune too fast and got big air. And but there was a camera helicopter nearby, and he knew it. So he he was like, "Why not?" As he's up in the air, he, he shoots his legs out and does the splits in the air like he's a you know doing a <laughs> stunter. Stunter, right? It comes down, lands in the sand, and just stacks, and just kind of brushed yeah. it off and got back on and kept going. They're like, "Well, he's having fun." Yeah, yeah. But then you see some other guys stacking, not having so much fun. Um, you could see one guy that had to get helicoptered out with back injuries. That um, launched off of a dune, and you can you can kind of oh, yeah. do the forensics on the crash, and you're like, okay, he came over the crest of this dune with some speed, and again, the dune dropped out, and he probably landed forty feet from the dune, basically on flat ground. Mm. Um, that happened like th- two, three years ago, too. It happens, I think, almost yeah. every year. Uh, I, guys get pretty hurt regularly. It's scary. I just want to say how much anxiety it gives me watching them ride through the dunes. I don't know how they ride with such control in that deep of sand. And it's always changing. And you can never, and the, the sand, it, the mind games it plays with your vision and stuff. I don't know how they do it too. Um, definitely high world-class athletes. The other nice thing to see like any motorcyclist for the most part though, um, you know, someone has a bad get off and they're hurt. The first person or two that come up on them, get, hop off the bike, stop, start rendering aid. That's another thing that's really cool that they were featuring on this, how much uh, people help each other. Um, uh, those trucks that are out there racing, they're also the ones that are helping pull bikes and cars and other trucks through the rivers. I mean, they're lending assistance. Um, and sometimes the trucks fall over and they have to wait for another truck to show up to pull them back up. Right. Um, but yeah, the bikers staying with another, a down biker, this Hey, Emma, are you watching YouTube videos? What's happening? No, forgive me. I was just doing, doing a little <laughs> bit of research on the trucks. Ah, yeah. So um, there is a sense, you know, we're talking about this is one of the world's biggest races. 
but they'll call off a day of racing if it's too dangerous. They will stop and stand by each other or help each other. But this goes back to the very, very earliest days of the what was then the Paris-Dakar. It's... Yeah, it's a race, and ultimately there's a winner, and there's a winner in every class. But it's a rally. I mean, everybody's pitting themselves against these incredible, inhospitable conditions. And there's this real sense that we're all in this together. Well, and and let's talk about what a rally raid event is. Besides a cool word. But, you know, this is a a rally-style event. They can go from, what, two days to to two weeks long. Right. But... what, one of the cool things about it is, other than the pro guys, you're independent. And I want to talk about that more in a second. But you can't pre-run the course. So these guys are yeah. blowing through. It's it's very terrain. The terrain, I thought, this year was pretty cool. Everything from rocky stuff to inclines, declines, a lot of uh, like you know gains and whatnot. But then vast spanses of, of desert, they call the empty quarter. You know, I think it's around, I don't know, day seven or eight, but where they just disappear into the Isn't desert. Isn't that a great name, the empty corner? But they're navigating. You can't use GPS in these events. So they're navigating with roll charts. Could be digital, could be paper. I think they use both a lot of them. Um, cause in a lot of the crashes, your roll chart just gets jacked up, but so you're navigating with analog stuff for the most part with a roll chart and an odometer. And, you know, we spend, you know, I spend enough time in the desert and I can't tell you how easy it is to get lost in the desert. I mean, you can be within a couple of miles of your camp, no joke. And you could get lost as could be not know which way you're going. If you're not, you know, into orienteering. Um, so it fascinates me that they're able to, you know, to navigate whatever it is, 300 kilometers a day, you know, 150 to 200 miles a day through open desert. And my whole question is what if you like, cause I get lost in the desert a lot for obvious reasons. How how the hell do you know you're lost to begin with? And then how do you go back and find a waypoint? It's fascinating. The other thing I don't get is they'll talk about some of the leaders and the times they're getting, but then say that they got knocked back in the standings for speeding. Yeah. Um, and this is something they're not showing in a lot of the, the camera stuff. I'm assuming that there are sections where you're getting onto the roadways and that you, you're not allowed to speed because you have to be. Right. It could be that could be populated areas, could be animals. Um, I, don't, I don't know. I'm I curious don't think there's also. such thing as speeding in the desert. But yeah, I think so. There are sections and I believe it's road roadways yeah, okay. where that connect where you're not allowed to speed, but you're, they got your GPS and they know if you're speeding yeah. and you get penalized it is interesting and yeah. and, and and i mean the, i think the first i won't spoiler alert but i think the difference between first and second overall was like 13 seconds i want to i want to be if we ever go down <laughs> or, or go to watch uh, a race like this i want to be at that section where the road ends and they're heading back out and just watch them go yeah! and then ride a wheelie <laughs> at 80 miles an hour through the sand it's nuts yeah but you know the one thing i just wanted to highlight um because you can go and look at all this stuff and i encourage you to deep dive into the dakar stuff because there's a lot there um on youtube but it's the category called um the malay moto yes and malay moto is french oui. for box motorcycle so Yamali is a box. So this is privateer category. So these people are running, uh, raising the money to do this. And I think you can get up to like 150 grand. So it's, we're talking about not chump change. I thought Bois, Bois was box. What? What? What was box? Yeah. So, um, yeah. uh, so trunk, I think, is how the proper uh, yeah, translation, yeah, yeah, yeah. not to get into the weeds of my French. But anyway, so basically you're privateers and you get a box. That's what they give you, a yeah. trunk to carry your tools, spare parts, and any personal belongings you need. Um and they go the full 13 days. So these are guys that ride all day. We're talking 150, 200 miles of, of exhausting riding. 
then they come in and then they have to service their bike. So, you know, and we're not talking check tire pressure and no. ch- adjust your chain. They're doing full oil changes, you know, air filter changes, yeah. changing. So, all- 13 days. Yeah. Would you like to know, Jim, what would be in my boat? <laughs> <laughs> a lot of, a lot of D batteries. <laughs> it would have one spark plug and 26 pairs of knickers. <laughs> <laughs> one for me. <laughs> you um, need it, but. I guess, but anyway, it's it's a fast because it's people like us, the regular Joes yeah, that yeah, yeah. that like do crazy stuff to raise money and come back and do it. But to ride that, and then they work on their bikes all night, um, you know, sleep on the ground in the cold desert, yeah, um, and then get up pre dawn and do it again. And if you you look at some of these guys, they'll interview them, and I've never seen more exhausted humans on the planet. Oh, there there's a guy who's riding with a broken wrist. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. Yes. Um, and going back to, there was another uh, interview they were doing and talking about the uh, the helpful nature, even though it's a race. There's a guy who is moose degraded on his back tire. So for those who don't know, instead of having tubes, they put this like foam core moose. A, a bib moose. Right, right, right. So it's, uh, so you're not relying on just the air. And his moose degraded. So basically, and it came out. So he zip tied. Don't, don't the, let your moose out. <laughs> yeah. He uh, zip tied the tube to the rim. They they travel with many zip ties. Just a, just an empty tube zip tied to the rim, and he went eighty one kilometers, mm. getting up to sixty miles per hour at one point. Wow! And commented <laughs> on how it handled pretty good, considering. Considering. And, so, and then he um, ran into another guy who he was out because his engine seized and that mm. guy gave him his wheel. Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and if you look at this Mali Moto class. And it's like, that is so cool. Yeah, if you look at this Mali Moto class, the, everybody's out there for each other because these are the dudes that, you know, some guys are pushing their bikes three miles to the finish oh, line. They look just, like they're about to just They're melt. just trying to survive. But then that's where, you know, the guys, and, and, and they're fun. The guys like, we're keeping it real, we're keeping it fun, but we're all, the, the sense of camaraderie, um, really seem to be strong right there. that's the hallmark of rally ride so where are you finding all your uh, video clips if people you know, want to check it out i wish it was better um i wish they had more coverage of it uh, but youtube you know go youtube yeah. you can watch stage highlights and it's fun watching the other stuff the big trucks the support vehicles that they race oh is God. just nutso stuff um yeah. the quads as we we well know suck so you can <laughs> skip the quads um but it's neat to see the technology coming along um you know, the, the, the four-wheel stuff just isn't as exciting to watch for me. But the technology, I, I have mixed feelings. I mean, they, they throw so much money at this stuff, but they do cool stuff also. They're trying to be, I think, carbon neutral by 30, I mean, sorry, by 2028 20, or something like that. So uh, they're engineering cool new technology. I will mention, and maybe Bagel's been following this, that there were three electric Audis running that were kind of a big deal. Did you know this, Bagel? I, I might have heard something about yeah, that, but so, I wasn't following it. Yeah, Audi electric cars. and They're wicked. I mean, setting amazing times. And, and they had, um, cool. uh, oh, what's his name? Big time um, racer uh, who's won many Dakars. Uh, P- Peter Van, I can't remember. Anyway, um, they have all been basically eliminated. Not for any reasons of batteries, but things like, the axles being torn off on mm-hmm. a rock and just stuff yeah. like that. Um, this stuff that happens on Baja, no matter what you're mm-hmm. riding or driving. Things that you can't repair 
Yeah. I mean, I saw like yeah. one of them hit a rock. The tire exploded and the rim was cracked. Yeah, you see these things oh in all sorts God. of state of mangle. You oh, know? my God. Oh, yeah. Um, but that was exciting to see the electric. They were doing very well, and they had a lot of hope that one of them could win. Um, but, yeah, so. You know, the other cool thing is we know to how many different manufacturers, right? You had the, oh, the big yeah. ones dominating, Honda. Uh, and this year's winner, I won't say who it is, is the first person to win on a Honda and a KTM. KT, so Honda, KTM, uh, Husqvarna. You got Yamaha. You got Husqvarna. There's Yamahas uh-huh. out there? Um, but here's one. I, gas, I gas. Yeah, gas, gas has really got a lot of. And then Sherco. Yeah, Sherco. How are those bikes, Emma? Sherco. But this is a bike that's out there, Emma. The Hero oh. Motorcorp. And they okay. were running. They're top, doing they were, really well. They were running top ten. Where is that? Like Spain or somewhere? Hmm. Yeah, I think so. I think they're Spaniards. They're making great bikes. Hero. Out of Spain, no, this huh? is like. Isn't this the largest manufacturer in the world? Hero? Oh, were you seeing in India? Yeah, or China, and this is made for India. Mm. Um. Hero Motorcore. I thought that was the largest manufacturer, motorcycle manufacturer in the world. Anyway, they have a 450 rally bike, um, and it's doing well, too. I mean, I do tend to take it with a pinch of salt that just because the bikes do well at Dakar, we should all go out and buy them because you know those factory teams. There is just money, no object to keep these things going. Yeah, when you look at the support staff that the professional guys ride it is absurd i mean you could rebuild the bike daily right yeah it looks like uh yeah this is indian market i believe um but it's cool to see just you know a bunch of different bikes and and again what it tells me is like we know it's not the bike it's the rider you know spend money on lessons and emma so they're running basically 450s now yes but weren't they riding like leader bikes at one point oh yeah 800s no famously um the the change happened overnight. I want to say it was 07 or 08. Um, <coughs> but up to that point, KTM were just all over it with the 690s. And about two weeks before that year's Dakar, they just said, no, 450 bikes only. And KTM were like, what? And I don't yeah. think they've ever actually truly recovered from that. Hmm. Um, I, I'm pretty sure they pulled out for a few years because of that ruling. Um, I mean, can you imagine seeing the riding they're doing? And I'm pointing here in the shop at the uh, Dakar BMW. I think it's an R80 GS. Yes. Can you imagine mm. riding that? Well, you know, another, you see what they do now? another great class to watch every year is the vintage stuff. And you get to see these guys doing these Volkswagen bugs, you know, oh, yeah, and these yeah, Porsches yeah. that are rallied out. So right. the vintage cat category is worth watching also. And, the, you know, the, uh, the I mean, the darling for me is the Renault 4, these little shitbox Renaults <laughs> that just have got no power, but are absolutely indestructible. Well, there's something for everybody. I recommend going to either Red Bull or YouTube. And there's yeah. a lot of these riders and drivers that have their own channels, like Lyndon Poskett. He's, oh, good point. He does it right. And they do blogs. Uh, there's women who are writing. Um, uh, and, and you know what else is cool, Emma? There's a woman who's racing in the uh, open wheeled cars, a Muslim woman uh, of, of, of color who is a racer back home, but she's a traditional Muslim woman who's out there as a pilot in one of these cars and oh, already talking about next year, moving up to the next class. She's got to be like 21. She's very young. Cool. So there's something for everybody there. I, I <coughs> recommend going to check it out. And um, yeah, and hopefully you don't get anxiety by watching them right in the sand. It's just like killing me because we can't ride around here right now. Oh, the sand so, is fun. So, once you come so. to grips with it. Um, 
we need to oh talk real quickly. I just want to mention the our rally, the ADV rally. We mentioned it last week, but um, we we need to see. Um, we're we're taking signups. I think he already had like thirty people on the wait list for this. So again, our adventure rally is going to be March twenty fourth, twenty fifth, and twenty sixth. How do you find it? Web page. Uh, that's a good question. I believe I have it at Breaking Way. Um, let me see. I will put a yeah. I'll put a link in in it. BreakingAwayTrips.com um, is where I believe you go. So I will be offering two lessons. Um, the first lesson is I'll be showing you how to change your rear tire or front tire in the field using nothing but a couple of smaller tire irons and hope and pain. Hope and pain. And the second is how to get red wine stains out of your white cocktail dress mm, using nice. nothing other than white wine. Oh. Um, yeah, Both so, valuable lessons all. So breakingawaytrips.com. We are going to have three days of riding. We're going to be camping at Hollister Hills. Uh, the price is 250 For $250, you're going to get... Uh, to do all of our rides, that includes camping, that includes two dinners, two breakfasts, that includes um, a rally t-shirt, and and there's going to be classes and lessons. Um, I've asked Jim and Charlie to be available if somebody wants to get some more one-on-one who's, instruction. Who's doing the breakfast? Uh, Matt's taking care of everything. Oh, fantastic. So I've asked Charlie if he has his big adventure bike there. If somebody wants to get some lessons to go ride some of the trails on mm-hmm. the big adventure bikes. Yeah, it's totally adventure bike friendly out that there. That they can get some tutorial from Charlie and Jim. I think you're going to have your midsize bike there. I'll show you how to feet. show you how to crash. <laughs> um, so if somebody wants to get some lessons, we're also going to have the little dirt bike there for somebody's never ridden dirt and wants to get some lessons. I think the yeah, I'm looking for little bikes on the TT track. Yeah, 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 that'll be fun. Um, and I am going to be doing a ride. We'll start going to the Corbin factory for, uh, I'll give a factory tour. And then we're going to go on down to Pinnacles and down Highway 25. But the other cool thing we're doing, and Emma, I don't think you've been there. Um, a couple of years ago, uh, Charlie, Jim, and I talked about a trip we took to Clear Creek, which is down south. And it was a motorcycle, a dirt bike park that got shut down. And it's gated off. And we went in the back way and got trapped in there <laughs> and almost died. Yeah, yeah. Well, anyway, uh, Matt is getting permissions to go in there and is going to get the gate code so that we can go into wow. Clear Creek. That's a big deal. I'm part of the yeah little trip. So, And, and I'll just, Clear Creek is a treat. Now, um, there's a, it's a road that goes through this area. And it's an old mining facility mm-hmm. in southeastern San Benito County. It's out there. But geologically, it's a fascinating area. And there is a ghost town. There is funky colored ponds, but it is a really unique place. <laughs> and you'll see some really and interesting parts of Central California that I was surprised when I went back there. Just don't get off the road unless you have a two-stroke. And watch out for the squirrels. Many squirrels gave their lives to us. Yeah, but it, it's so. a very fascinating place to go through. So we're going to have a lot going on. Um, go to breakingawaytrips.com, sign up. There's only room for 50 people at our campsite. So first 50 get into our campsite. We have our own camping area outside of the motorcycle park. Um, anyone overflow after that will be, have to camp um, at the regular dirt bike park and then come up and join us. But um, yeah, we're going to be doing a whole and lot And the best of part is you get to hang out with the misfits. How cool is that? Oh yeah. Well, it'll be, it'll be some shenanigans, I'm sure. Oh yeah. Well, exactly. you know, I'm, bump, bump. 
I I will be driving. Chica chica. I will be driving King Kong, and then we can do dance parties on the rear deck. I'm gonna can we strap the mini bikes on the back and ride in on King Kong on the mini bikes. Maybe could, we could be doing a little race on the back of it as you pull in. I know. I I yeah. I think so. And then, um, secondly, um, I had uh, some people respond who are interested in coming on my UK dream trip. Right. Um, throwing that out there again. We need to see if there's enough people interested before we really put it together. But we're looking at maybe like 10, 12 days riding across UK. And what's interesting, Eric was here today, and I'm like, I was telling him about the tour. He, he's interested in coming. And I say, yeah, we'll go from Ace Cafe to da, 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 up to Birmingham, go to the Triumph Museum. And he goes... I'm sorry, Ace Cafe. What's what's up with that? And I'm like, what? Huh? And I realize not everybody knows significance of Ace Cafe, right? But to me, it's kind of a mecca <coughs> for motorcycles. Is that where Bike Shed is too? Bike is Shed is in London. Oh, okay. Yeah. It, 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 the the Ace Cafe is a mecca for greasy bacon and eggs. Yes, it's a cafe. It is a cafe, but it's also the birth of the cafe. Racer. You get so, a nice cup of tea and a biscuit. Yeah. So it's yes. so it's just a iconic place. But going, we're going to tour Wales, and we're going to do a lap at the Isle of Man. Oh, look you. You're That's going cool. to Wales. Yeah, and Cat, this is a Cat McLeod trip. So as Emma's learned, he he takes care of things. No, I mean, you know, Cat, he dots the I's, crosses the T's. He's very, very good at what he does. And the last thing I'm trying to throw in, we haven't figured this out yet, but I'm hoping that we can go visit a speedway track and see speedway races. Oh, yeah. Well, no, that you should fun. because- There's you know, one in Cardiff as, yeah. going on then. They and do a lot that there. Don't, they do a lot of that racing, don't they? Oh, yeah. Speedway yeah. Oh, very, yeah, very that's popular. Something. Like small towny really cool. kind of stuff. Yeah, right? it is small towny kind of stuff. And you you, you got to bet because that makes it fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> get a wager. Yeah, you got to- What do they call a, a, bookie in, uh, a bookie in London, in Birmingham? Bookie. A bookie, yeah. Translates. Oh, okay. Um- I wanted to get because he's running the book. You see, some oh, emails and Bagel, you should have one there too. Um, mm -hmm. This first one, this one comes. Let's see, uh, from it doesn't say. Well, it should. It doesn't. Say. Is it? Is it from a oh, anonymous? It's, oh, it says it's Jr. Jr. says I J remember Jr. Yeah, Jr. You win. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> no. Who came down with his granddaughter? <laughs> yes, I remember. So Jay, with a BMW. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So remember, we were talking about. I wanted to acknowledge the badass bikers those that don't own yes. a car. Mm -hmm. Yes. Right? Of which we have somewhere. Yeah, yeah. Ourselves. Hardcore Henry. And Jr. says, "Hey, Misfits, in your last show, you talked about badass bikers. Those yes. that don't own a car, just motorcycles." Well, I haven't owned a car since 2003, Ooh, and I don't miss it at all. I don't do it to save money, and I don't have any tattoos, nor do I ride in any gangs. I've been riding almost my entire life. Several decades ago, I was involved in a near-fatal accident. Then a few years later, another accident that easily could have been tragic. I stopped riding to be sure I was around to raise my three children. When they came, became old enough to take care of themselves, I returned to cycling. And I now ride 24-7, 365 days, in any weather, for any reason. But I don't do it to be a badass, although some do call me that, and some call me crazy as well. I just feel more alive and would rather be on a motorcycle than in a car any time. I do own a couple of vests and a couple of leather jackets. I really prefer my aero stitch gear, though. I'm always going to be dry in the winter and cool in the summer. 
when I get where I'm going, I'll haul out one of my vests and look like any other biker at the event. We're not badass. We are just true motorcycle enthusiasts. My hat's off to all of us out there that feel the same as myself. And he says, P.S. Ryan says, hey, misfits. Hey. His granddaughter. So, and that's, again, why I wanted to acknowledge this segment of the bikers. Because they, they don't, they're not proud of it. You know, they do it for whatever reasons. And this guy just loves riding mm-hmm. so right. much. This yeah. is the opposite of riding for image. Right. This is riding for the love and of it. This is the yeah. true essence of of biker. This is the true essence of motorcycling. The joy of riding a bike has never left JR. Yeah. We should all be so lucky. So I'm a big old to save yours for last. Jim, you got one there? Oh. I do. (laughs) You do. I do. All right. Uh, Okay. This is, God, my eyes. Damn these eyes. This is from Michael Byrne. Hey, Michael. Hey, Michael. Bike and car pairings, episode 499. Hello from Ireland, Misfits. No, I'm not doing an accent. (laughs) My 1999 uh, Ireland. I've heard things about Ireland. Scotland, they're glad to see you. Aye. (laughs) Aye. Oh, oh. (laughs) In Ireland, they're really glad to see you, and they're even nicer. So I would love to visit Ireland sometime. In 1999, Honda uh, ST1100, Mm -hmm. pan-European. Yes. As it's known on that side of the pond. Yes. And my 2014 Honda CR-V are a great pairing. Oh, my God. Look at these. You can see the picture. They're so well paired. Both have a great long-distance comfort, great storage capacity, and look very well together in their original colors. I yeah, could not at, agree look at that, more. Emma. They look like they're a matched pair. And this is what I'm saying, separated at birth. I believe that some of these cars and motorcycles are the same soul, the same essence, you know? Absolutely. And isn't that amazing? They're the oh, exact big same Mick. color. Oh, no, he's Big Mick. Big Mick. Big now, Mick. the thing is, when somebody is described as Big Mick, you immediately think he's going to be like 250 pounds. He might be a tiny little guy because, you know, it's like that sarcastic thing. I suspect he's Big Mick, though, because he's, this is a big person's bike. Um, but what a, what a handsome pairing. Yeah, yeah. So keep it coming. I'd like to hear from more people uh, what pairings they have of the separated birth bikes and cars. All right, Emma, you got yours ready? I do indeed. And this is from Michael Leonard. Hey, Michael. Hello, Hello. Misfits. I recently took a little vacation and happened to spend a few hours Mm. at the Barber Vintage Motorsports Museum in Birmingham, Alabama. This place is beautiful. First of all, that place is absolutely amazing to see. It is massive and the collection incredibly extensive. While I was there, I I noticed a brand that kept coming up, CZ, or as I would say, CZ. Um, From what I got from the museum, they were a Czech company during uh, the Soviet Union and fairly large, but which is the first I've heard of them. I think another gun manufacturer too, right? Mm -hmm. From a little Google Google few, (coughs) I'm seeing some pretty radical claims about how good of a bike they were. One site said the Japanese companies copied them in the 1970s to get the powerful engines the Japanese brands are known for. We're going to come to that. It's not entirely true. My question is, do I have a massive blind spot in my global motorcycling history, or did I just happen to notice a brand in Barber's massive collection? Also, I am heartbroken to hear they will remake Easy Rider, because (laughs) I have zero faith. And I'm inclined to agree with you, Mm. Mike. Um, five bucks says we get a terrible Peter Fonda cameo. Uh, update. He sent a follow up email saying, cancel that. I realize he's dead. 
Oh, there you go. I assume <laughs> the people calling oh. the shots at the studio are 60 and either have never rode or haven't ridden since the 70s. I've attached a few photos, one of a CZ, Captain America, and a tree of vintage race bikes. So <laughs> let's talk about a couple of things. Um, and what a gruesome place Hollywood can be. <laughs> last um, last um, spring, um, myself, Liza, and Jim, managed to fin finagle our way into AM Expo. And we actually got into uh, a presentation um, for, <laughs> yes, I know, um, that was the, what is it, the Motorcycle Dealer Association? Uh, yeah. Something. But basically they were pitching this shithouse film and to say the whole presentation was a dumpster fire would be an understatement. It was a railroad wreck. But it was non-motorcycle people trying to do a motorcycle Right, exactly. Movie. And, and I have worse. never come across such a bunch of self-trumpet-blowing, <laughs> long-winded, super-fatted <laughs> bores in my life who were <laughs> getting up one after the other and telling each other how great they were, all of which demonstrating had, had zero knowledge of motorbike people. Um, it, it was pretty obvious by the end of the presentation, it went over like a fart in church. Right. And I think they kind of got that. And I hope that the project basically ended there. I'd love to know whether it's well, going I hadn't forward. seen, I won't say the name, but I hadn't seen, I haven't seen that name since that day. Right. It, so anyway, so we know Hollywood hole, can get things very, very wrong. Um, let's talk about CZ. Um, CZ was actually quite a prolific manufacturer, not hugely well-known in America. CZ suffered from the same fate that a lot of Eastern Bloc companies did. The, their bikes were very competitive in the 1950s and 60s, and then <laughs> suffered the kind of woes that government-owned Eastern Bloc companies did, that there wasn't really much development so by the 1970s, you really were buying a very, very outdated and low-powered um, piece of machinery. You know, back in England, in the mid-late 70s, you could spend sort of five, six hundred, seven hundred pounds on a Japanese bike or half that on a CZ. They paired up with Jawa. Um and it was like a, a Jawa CZ. They were famously known for a 350 twin that often had a sidecar attached to it. But it was the cheap alternative. Um, and that was just down to lack of development. Now, that story that they, um, the Japanese copied their design isn't entirely true. It's actually an East German company called MZ and um, Moto Jopau who were based in what was then East Germany. Um, and a lot of their development technology went to Suzuki. And part of the reason that Suzuki was so good at two strokes in the early 1960s is because of an engineer they um, they got from MZ. Um, but yeah, CZs, you know, they're good, solid, robust bikes. Not a high-quality bike, not an expensive bike. Um but you see them at like vintage rallies and yeah, you do see yeah. them. Yeah. yeah, the one claim to mm -hmm. fame was it was the only bike I can think of 
where the gear shift and the kickstarter were one and the same oh, right and yeah. what you did was you got the gear shift and pushed the whole assembly into the engine and lifted it back and mm-hmm. it became the kickstarter and then once mm. you'd started the bike, it kind of flopped itself back into position and became the gear shift. Yeah, um, I saw that. That's cool. Yeah, it was, you know, yeah. it, it was one of those really weird left brain things that the, the Eastern manufacturers came up with. Hey, great email. Thanks for it, Michael. All right, we got time for one more. And I saved this one because this is relevant to the weather right now. Oh, you got a bagel? Yeah, I do. Um, I have an email from... Uh, David. Yes. Hey, David. Hey, David. David writes, Hello, Misfits. I hope you are all well and getting through the storm safely. <laughs> yes. yes. It it occurred to me that ultimately the floods will result in inundated motorcycles ending up for sale in the coming months. Can you mm. please talk about the concerns about buying a flooded bike <clears throat> and especially how to tell and what to look for in a used bike that has been cleaned up and the fluids changed to try to try to hide the fact that it was underwater. Is it fair to assume that any bike for sale in the next few months in an area that was flooded or really all of California is suspect? <laughs> Are there yeah. particular red flags to watch for like a bike being sold outside of the area where it is registered, particularly if the hometown was flooded? Thanks and stay safe, David. Hmm, that is an interesting email. I've dealt with flooded bikes in the past, and it's always grim. I'd like to take a stab at this, and then you can tell okay. me. Yeah, wrong. go on. Because I know you know. So here's my assumption. Don't do it. Don't buy one. Right. There's so many things. Water and mud. Uh, water and metal, not good. Water and electrics, not good. So even if somebody gets it running, there's so many things that can affect. But the other thing I wanted to point out, it's one thing if your bike goes into a swimming pool with clean chlorinated water. <laughs> it's another one. It's in flood water that has sewage and sand and mud and. I did that at Kawasaki. Remember bacteria? Yeah. yeah. Um, it there's so many things you're dealing with in flood water, but it's not like we're really underwater. Most of the places here are flooding. You're, you're it's like ankle deep, you know. That's flooding yeah. here. I don't think that there are whole bikes underwater anywhere that I'm familiar with. Yeah. And it's, it's not like the whole state is like 10 feet underwater. Right. So any it, bike you I mean, buy it, from here is going to be destroyed. It <laughs> does seem like that if you read the news. However, um, back in 1995, we had some amazing floods in California. <coughs> and I was fresh off the boat back then. And largely based because it was such a darling looking little thing. Um, I bought a Honda CB175, a 1969 model. It was a gorgeous mm. little thing. It was teal and white. And at the time, I was living in San Luis Obispo. And that had been in a flood because the, mm. the San Luis Obispo uh, Creek um, blew its banks. And I could never get that bike running. Never. Everywhere I went, every tiny little nook and cranny was full of muddy, nasty, gritty um, residue, even after it had dried out for months. And it's not just inside the engine. It's in the battery. It's in every electrical connector. Inside the wires. 
inside the handlebars, inside yeah. the switches. It, it's, yep. it's done. It's a part speed. Exactly. It's a lifetime career. Hold on. Getting it out. Hold on. I have a website, Liza, you're going to want to know this, okay. abetterbid.com. Yeah. Currently, there are <laughs> flooded, damaged vehicles for sale. Oh. You <laughs> can get a, a Honda Elite 110, current bid $15. <laughs> you can get a, uh, oh, here's a Dax's first generation. Two, yep, Dax's three-wheeler, first generation, oh. current bid 35 bucks. You can own it for three, that, 350 bucks. That's tax on the thing you just bought. Uh-huh. Here is a 2006 Honda 250 Rebel. Current bid zero. <laughs> so, but you can bid on these things for under twenty dollars. So, yeah, and that one's not flooded. They're all from Florida, though. So be advised. That's why I mean, um, flooded cars is the same thing, though. There are people. I remember after Katrina, there were people who were buying up cars that were flooded and just replacing yeah. the carpet and replacing stuff. You just don't know down the road. Like even in right. a car, like. I can't imagine if the mud gets into the tie rod bearings and just, you know, it's, it's just everywhere. And I yeah. mean, it's the most so. bizarre thing. And I mean, Hondas of that generation, you know, they had a, a, a space frame. It wasn't a tubular frame. It was a pressed steel frame in left and right. And it was full of mud and it was just and rust. And yeah, sure. exactly. It just was. It's, don't do it. So, so the question is then, how do you tell, like if the seller's not being honest and representing the vehicle for what it is, how do you tell that it has been in a flood? I mean, if he's wiped off the water line off the side of the tank, you know? Well, look inside the tank. Is it clean? Look inside. Right. Get the filler cap off the engine. Get a flashlight in the engine. Take co- cut the side covers off of the engine. Look in, look inside there. You know, take as m- exactly take as much off as you can and look within. Um, see if there's muck in the spokes. <laughs> I don't see. I don't see a flooded bike ever being able to be pitched as a non-flooded bike because yeah. it's so intrusive. Yeah, it really is. It's it's well, like nothing it, you can imagine. It's not. It's not a normal bike with a waterline on it. This is just jam-packed full of nasty, like gritty mud. Silt, everything. yeah. Yeah, it's just awful. So awful. Don't do it. Yeah. That, that's, yep. that's the short of it. Well, hey, that brings us to the end of the show. So yeah. This is the time where we get to thank everybody for listening. Um, thank you, Jim and Emma and, and Bagel. Well, Bagel, you're home. But Jim and Emma, I think yep. Emma has taken a real risk coming here tonight well i might not be able to get <laughs> home because if, you will if, you're if, just if, gonna have to go around moss landing yeah you're gonna oh have to go around I, I might yeah i might have to go around and through but yeah if it's there is still a risk that monterey is going to become an island because we have wow. we have two <laughs> we have two rivers that dump into monterey and we've got rainfall very very high tides very very high runoff from the sierras so Yep. All the rivers are swollen. We've got pounding rain. We've got king tides coming in right now. Yeah, the tides are the big deal for us. Yeah, it's Ooh. it's a mess. Oh, and Emma, who came to visit you this week? Oh, so um, let me tell you about... <laughs> we're going to call this story, and we'll keep it short, okay. when Liza comes to visit. So when <laughs> Liza comes to visit Mototown... Normally, people will park, get out of their car, walk into Motortown and go, oh, hello, Emma, it's lovely to see you. Now, this is not how Liza does things, nor has ever done it, <laughs> is she will pull up in front of the, the shop and just tootle her horn. 
<laughs> and sometimes <laughs> yeah, and the horn becomes more intrusive the more I ignore it. And so what's my expected behavior is I have to put down whatever I'm doing and go out to Liza and actually figure out what she wants. It's and like I, a drive through. It's a drive through visit. Yeah, it is a drive through visit. I don't even visit. have to get out of for my you, car. For you, it is. For all the rest of us, it's really irritating. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, so, but I had a visit on Tuesday, and it's always nice seeing Liza, mm. as annoying as that is. Um, I'm, I'm pleased to see the scratch and sniff paint job you have on your car uh, yeah, these I days. Know. Has I that know. ever had a wash? Yeah. But it lives under a tree. Okay, very good. Um, so big thanks to everyone, to our Patreon supporters. We love you. Um, but uh, to all of our listeners, send us your emails. Uh, we send need more them. questions. Yeah. Uh, send us some more things like, what do I do about a flooded bike? So we can just go, tell, don't do it. Don't do it. And tell me why. Yes, we have some tell me why is coming. Oh, fantastic. And, um, yeah, go to... Um, motorcyclesandmisfits.com you can check out our stuff there send me an email if you're interested in the UK trip in August and don't forget of course we have the uh, Dolomites training tour and the Castles yeah. and Curves tour Castles, Castles. Castles and Curves um, and if you want to tell us what your favorite Bond bike is or scene send it on over to us we kind of opened up the Pandora's box now. We, do we need to do Mission Impossible? Or, oh, you know, the Tom yeah. Cruise. I know. I, know. Have to do I just checked out Breaking Away Tours, by the way. And um, oh, it, you used you, you add for to get information. Yeah. Click the button, get info. So there you go. So I think we're ready to get out of here. Y'all. Thank you, everybody. This is Eliza. Emma, darling. Naked Jim. Hello. Bagel. And we are out of here. Cool, 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 cool. cool. cool.